Expect me on Gallifrey soon. Hello, faithful listener, and welcome back to A Kettle and Some String, the Doctor Who podcast where we take a random trip through all the Doctor's adventures in time and space. I'm Dave, and I'm delighted to welcome back uh, a great friend of mine. Um, it's Mr. Jim Allenby. How are you doing, Jim? Hi, Dave. Um, I am doing pretty well for Thursday night. Um, <laughs> yeah, for a dark Thursday night. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing really well, actually. How are you? I'm good as well. I was sunning it in Cyprus last week, so I came back to very rainy Edinburgh. Thankfully, the rains just went off today, but yeah, part of me wishes I was still at the other side of Europe, but... Yeah, I think think we could all do with an escape every now and again, especially to a a sunny sunny climate. (laughs) But I'm delighted uh, to have you back, Jim. Um, The last time we spoke, we were terrorised by David Sushi and his uh, critters. We were. We were, yes. Where's the randomizer centers this time? Well, today we are taking a trip to two locations. Uh, one is Gallifrey, um, and the other is uh, Amsterdam. We are going to be watching uh, The Ark of Infinity. Yes, we're not watching we're... it, but discussing it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be. <laughs> watched hope... it already. <laughs> I hope we both watched it last week. But... Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, entering, daring to enter the Ark of Infinity. Um mm-hmm. The randomizer's a bit of a bitch, really, because this is the fourth time already I've been sent back to season 20, and it's <laughs> Peter Davison's second season. It's never given me any of his first season. It's not given me any of his last season. Season 20, wow. it seems obsessed with. Um, wow. But, yeah, this is the season opener. Um, mm-hmm. And as you say, Gallifrey, well, where have we heard that planet name before? Um, little planet where the Doctor comes from. Mm-hmm. And uh, Amsterdam, um, which I've not been to Amsterdam, have you? I yeah I've been I think I went a couple of times back in well maybe about twenty years ago now so I don't remember much about it I went with an ex girlfriend um, uh, just for a, I think we went for a day trip um, it was a, a nice place nice place I spent more time at the zoo though uh, Amsterdam Zoo so yeah I couldn't, couldn't I don't really remember much about the place to be honest so you weren't going round like a typical Doctor Who fan like probably I would or others no. would do. Like that's no. that's that hostel. That's that place. <laughs> I know, I know, and I kind of, I kind of wish I had now, you know. Um, but uh, no, no, not not the time. No, maybe maybe it's uh, maybe I'm due a, a revisit to Amsterdam in the near future, possibly. <laughs> yeah, finding that phone box where he makes the. If that, I wonder if that phone box is still there where he makes the phone call and GNT's <laughs> chasing away women. Uh, <laughs> but the background of this one is pretty ropey. Um, Eric mm. Saylor did like to keep the track in a course, which is Johnny Byrne rather than Donnie Brine, isn't it? Yes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> as you know, I'm bad at pronunciations. It's Johnny Byrne. It's Johnny Eric Byrne, yeah. Saylor, I'd like that one. Mm-hmm. And so he telephoned him in California and said, right, what about submitting a new four-part story, please? And uh, G&T wanted to film in Amsterdam. 
mainly because it was one of the three production bases for Triangle. Now, I've not had the, the pleasure of watching the brilliant Triangle, which I gather is was a very expensive series the BBC made, but it's absolute rubbish from mm. what I gather. Um, and I think it's got Kate O'Mara on a boat and him from uh, Terra de Vervoids, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I've I've not seen it myself either. It kind of um, it's kind of one of those programs that you you kind of you've heard about in uh, passing mention from reading Doctor Who production subtitles and uh, <laughs> and things like that. But I cannot say that I've ever seen it. Um, whether I no 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 never seen it at all. <laughs> So GNT, because it was one of the pre-production bases, I don't know whether it, maybe I'm assuming the BBC had like a already facilities there or something because of that series. But he wanted to go to Amsterdam, and he had always planned for Tegan to return because, of course, at the end of the last series, Tegan was abandoned. Uh, the mm-hmm. Doctor and Nissa went in the TARDIS and left her at Heathrow Airport. Um, but she was there to she had been wanting to get there and do her job. Maybe the Doctor was like, "Well, she can." She's been moaning at me for the last season about being her air hostess. Now she can do it. Mm. Um, Eric Sayward unfortunately was unhappy with both things he did not like that they were going to Amsterdam because he <laughs> felt there wasn't any reason for it and he didn't want Tegan to return either but that's Eric Sayward for you he just mm-hmm. owns about everything mm-hmm. um, and originally Tegan was to have been involved in criminal activity I read which uh, the production office stressed to Johnny Byrne we can't have her doing drug smuggling or being a prostitute or anything like that <laughs> I don't know what criminal activity he was planning for her to do but Oh I wow! Was, was she was going to be a criminal? Wow! I'm thinking of the um, the is it the diamond um, diamond smuggling episode of Only Fools and Horses? Do they, do they, is it to Holland back where they go? Do they go to yes. Amsterdam? Um, or am I getting yes, that it's mixed Amsterdam. up? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Amsterdam. Yeah, it Amsterdam. yeah, and I think that was out around about the same time. So perhaps Tegan was going to be involved in some diamond smuggling, maybe. <laughs> that would have been. Would have made her character more interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of Deegan's <laughs> uh, So Byrne had uh, an idea for a serial set in London originally, which connected a time shift caused by an alien. And the time shift was going to be called the Arc of Infinity, a naturally occurring bridge between dimensions, which could be calibrated like an eclipse. And he wanted a threat to the Doctor, this extra-dimensional being which could exploit the weakness of a Time Lord. This presence would be signalled by the Doctor getting, and I don't know what this means, but regenerative horrors. Mm-hmm. So I think what it meant was that the Doctor would have nightmares about his regeneration because this being was nearby. And so he submitted this story called Time of Neiman, which uh, concerned Nyssa sensing evil in Amsterdam of the future. So he's had the, the note, we're going to Amsterdam. And then mm-hmm. he writes this up, that Nyssa, is sen- they go to Amsterdam in the future, she senses some evil which is controlled by Neiman, who's this alien who can only achieve existence during a Time Lord's regeneration. And he has the Doctor's appearance, hence the post-regenerative nightmares the Doctor's been suffering. Already I'm lost, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to sound a little bit like um, like The Watcher. It is yeah, a little that... bit, isn't it? Yeah. And in present-day Amsterdam is Tegan, who mistakes Neiman for the Doctor because he looks like him, Mm-hmm. And via this conglomerate called Neiman Industries, he's taken control of humanity's minds, which the aim of it is to create a living form so he could exist. Um, but the, he was defeated when the Doctor relived his regeneration. So that would have been fun, seeing him mm-hmm. relive falling off the, the Paris project. Yeah. Uh, That's an interesting huge. idea. Um, 
don't know whether it would have worked or not. Um, yeah, hmm. it seems a bit. Um, I'm, yeah, mm. <laughs> is all I'll say. Um, <laughs> so he submitted that, and then he got notes back saying, "Well, the use of Amsterdam, the story is really poor. You know, you've not given any justification for Amsterdam being in the story, only in the finale." So. G&T then at this point also popped up and said, I want an old villain in your story. And he gave him three options and he reluctantly chose Omega because he felt that he would be most relevant to the plot. But Omega was suggested by Ian Levine. Oh, okay. Who is um, in fandom at the moment making a bit of a tit of himself, really. But, um... Yeah, yeah. Sorry, making a tit of himself today. <laughs> <laughs> um, Byrne didn't like the previous version of Omega, so... Um, he didn't like him as a random villain because in the three doctors he was quite a bit just this bell and mm. you know like I'm raging because I'm in this dimension yeah. and uh, he wanted him to be a bit more like Lucifer so he wanted him to be a bit more neither good or evil but be a bit more multi-layered um, in his character mm. and he wanted to focus on his desire to want to exist with others because of course he's in this antimatter universe and he's lonely um, but he felt that that was lost in rewrites and in the final version Probably mm. done by Eric Seward, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and he thought, I'll justify the, the Amsterdam setting with this fusion booster, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> because, yeah, so for his perspective, he's told, right, you've got to put Amsterdam in the story. And he's thinking, how the hell can I put Amsterdam in the story? What? Mm. And yeah, and that's sort of the best he could come up with as a fusion booster. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's not the best. It's not the best excuse, is it? <laughs> I don't I'd have preferred it to have just been random. You know, I mean, the doctor, yeah. the doctor lands in, you know, kind of London and that kind of area all the time. So why not? Can you just not randomly land in Amsterdam or be, you know, I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a thin, uh, thin reason for, for, for using Amsterdam, you know. It's not as bad as the two doctors. Now, I love the two doctors. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really looking forward. I'm going to Seville next month. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it because I can go, yes, that's where that bit of Seville is. But <laughs> they justified most of the visit, obviously, to Seville just being at a, a chateau mm. building, which they could have had anywhere in the world. <laughs> it just happens to be Seville. Yeah. So it's not quite as bad as that. But yeah, um, but I like that Amsterdam's this. I like the, that you get to see yeah. another city and... and yeah, why did they have to have a big reason? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's it's good. I like it. You know, it's like, you know, City of Death and, like say, Two Doctors and uh, Planet of Fire. It's nice to to see the show going elsewhere and yes. not being stuck in the, the kind of the same old, same old places, you know, forests and uh, and mansions and houses as much as I, you know, that's kind of my my comfort kind of style of Doctor Who, you know, stuff like the... Um, Android invasion and uh, and the demons oh, yeah, and yeah. things like that, you know that. But it is nice to get to have them coming out of England and and going elsewhere. Definitely, Omega's disintegration uh, was drawn from the Quatermass experiment and Frankenstein. Um, the Ergon was meant to look like Frizz <laughs> from Frankenstein, so he's envisaged the Ergon as being like uh, almost like the I think the servant in. The Brain of Morbius. Yeah. Um, and the design was based on H.G. Geiger's alien work. You can kind of see that a little bit in Omega's sort of costume in this. Like, it has got sort of like the definition of the muscles and everything like it does in the alien, but mm -hmm. it's not quite there. <laughs> it's not no. quite in the same league as um, the alien <laughs> design. 
Um, no. And unfortunately for the Ergen, the headpiece kept falling off when he tried to enter the crypt and caused a lot of laughter between the cast and crew. Yeah, <laughs> I, this costume, yeah, the cast and crew didn't think it was that. No, and I think I think the problem is, you know, whenever you put a a, a man in a in a suit or a woman in a suit, um, and you've got the they're having to balance a head on top of their head, uh, you're always going to have that problem of, you know, it's going to just look ridiculous because it does look ridiculous. I can see the idea behind it, and you know, and I think if it had been a if it had been done now. And they'd gone for that same design, but in kind of a CG monster, maybe it would have looked much better. But it's just quite obvious a, a man in a rubber suit with his head <laughs> balancing on on the top of it, you know. And I think I think that's you know that's the issue. It's you know it's, yeah, it's like anything, just isn't sort it? Of... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's sort of rocks, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it never moves well, independently of the the rest of the body. Yeah, you know? Absolutely, yes. Um, Colin Baker's obviously in this night. Wonder who he turned it to be. This guy called Colin I, Baker. I don't know. I've not seen him in anything since. Um, <laughs> I think this story killed his career. To be honest, no, no, yeah. He was in a play in Brighton when he got offered the role of Maxwell. Um, G and T's one of G and T's favourite shows had been The Brothers, of course, where he made his name. And um, he bemoaned to his wife at that point that this meant he would never now play the Doctor because he was convinced that oh, it's good to be in Doctor Who, but I was hoping to maybe be in it later and because I'm in it now I'm not going to get the chance to be the doctor mm. how, how life transpired after that yeah yeah he found his uh, plumed helmet too tall to wear as well <laughs> when he in the TARDIS so he carried it there's this famous story of course that he took it off all the time and he was also nicknamed Archie by GNT because he had a rather large performance and <laughs> he was reminded that the show was called Doctor Who and not Commander Maxwell <laughs> which is a good <laughs> would you would you watch a, a spin-off series with uh, Commander Maxill? Absolutely, with, with Colin Baker <laughs> being the centre team. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd love that actually. <laughs> Come on, big finish. <laughs> or even even now, get on, Russell. You know, Maxill's yeah. still on Gallifrey somewhere. If he was he wasn't killed by the master, just yeah, something else. Just. Yeah, it's a reason for him to come back without having to worry about him looking different now from, you yes. know, because he's obviously visibly <laughs> aged. You know, let's do it. Let's get Maxwell back in the show. You'd also make chicken noises with the hat. So <laughs> I think you can hear that in the commentary on the mm -hmm. DVD. He's always like, Peter Davison uh, read the script and felt that the chance reunion with Tegan was absolutely ludicrous. And it was no reason to be set in Amsterdam, although they were the whole cast very excited to film there. So mm. I think they read it and thought, why are we going to Amsterdam? But we're going to Amsterdam, so that, <laughs> we're just going to enjoy it. Uh, Davison got there, though, and I think they felt that they went there as well so that nobody would recognise him. But unfortunately, he was recognised. He was recognised as Tristan from only oh, wow. all pictures great and small. <laughs> and G&T had to control the crowds, as many people pointed at the camera. And, of course, you can see that in some of the shots. Yeah, you um, can. An old lady he attempted to steer away, though, thought he was a thief and attacked him. <laughs> so poor GNTs in this, you can see him in one of the shots, like with a Dell boy like uh, sheepskin coat with mm -hmm. a cap on. And yeah, some women actually thought, What are you doing? You're robbing the attack them with a handbag. Or... <laughs> oh, wow. Shame that, that that's not on film. <laughs> Janet Fielding and Sarah Sutton were in agony after about three days of running around on the city's cobbles. Of course, in these shoes as well. Uh, mm. Tegan has the high heels on, doesn't she? She does, yeah. She does. She's also got a, uh, uh, well, she, 
she nearly falls out of her top at some, at one yes, point. <laughs> and I think we all know what point that is as well. <laughs> Sarah Sutton split her trousers filming the exterior of going into the fountain. <laughs> and uh, Peter Davison was nearly hit by a tram. Oh, wow. Which would have, uh, that would have been a way for the doctor to regenerate right there. Following <laughs> Omega's destruction, uh, Peter Davison and Janet Fielding had planned a prank. So I think they had decided because they, they like Peter Davison's a bit of a jokester, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And they had an idea that they were going to bring out a dildo rather than the gun and point at Omega <laughs> and say, you know, like, I must stop you, Omega. But unfortunately, because they were so behind and they had no time for fannying about, they, they couldn't do it. So they bought this dildo gun to couldn't use it. But oh, he, wow. and Collier, though, got burns because the charges go off, of course, when Omega dies, but yeah, he got quite a few burns for that. It looks very painful. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he's wearing underneath that kind of that kind of boiler suit that he's wearing, but it looks yeah. painful. I mean, you know, I don't know if I'd be willing to 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 lay there while sparks go off on my chest. <laughs> I don't, yeah, you don't know how much when you when I read that, I thought, how much is acting and how much is actually he's going. Mm. You know. <laughs> After filming, they had a night out in Amsterdam, but Janet Fielding, unfortunately attracted unwanted attention because they wandered into the red light district. Oh, so, dear. I can only imagine if she was still wearing that outfit and she never went back <laughs> to the hotel to change. Yes. Uh, yeah. She might have got a couple of remarks, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. A, <laughs> a bit risky. A bit risky venturing down there in that costume, I think. Leonard Sachs had difficulty learning his lines, and you can see that a couple of times in the story, that he, there's one infamous bit in part four where he he, he just can't get the line out. Yeah, bless um, him. And Ian Collier couldn't hear in the Omega mask, so he had to redub his lines. So the poor guy's filmed it on any. Nah, sorry, Ian. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! But you can't. I don't. I don't think you can ever tell that it's redubbed, can you? It sounds. No. Sounds like he's there. It doesn't sound like he's. You know, he's kind of. You know, sometimes you hear redubbing, and it really sounds. It sounds bad, um, but I I never noticed that. So you, you you know you're telling me that now. That's quite a surprise. Yeah, yeah I, I, you certainly can't notice it. <laughs> you certainly think he's he's there in each scene. Mm. Um, and poor Peter Davison to just finish off this. Uh, there's quite a few near accidents in this <laughs> film. In this one, he nearly passed out because the dry ice and execution scene that he gets put on him at the end of part two. Obviously, oh, wow. they had to do that a few times, and so he's getting bombarded with dry ice and yeah apparently after a couple of takes he nearly passed out wow wow i don't know what what they put in that dry ice i don't know what it's uh what it's what it's composed of but uh yeah i can imagine being stuck under that <laughs> um yeah yeah they very nearly really did execute him <laughs> yes for real i think louise jameson i think one of the dvds somewhere something to do i can't even think what story it was maybe underworld with the dry ice but she said a similar thing that like Lots of dry ice can like it interferes with your breathing and yeah, I can imagine. Arc of Infinity then was transmitted in January 1983, and we've got Peter Davison as the Doctor, we've got Sarah Sutton as Nyssa, we've got Janet Fielding as Tegan returning. I'll just raise my my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I quite like Tegan actually, but yeah, I just. Ah, she's, she's, she's never she, wants to be there, and that's the annoying thing. She's a tough one, isn't it? Isn't she? Because I like Janet Fielding. I really I like her. It. And I sort of like Tegan. It's kind of Tegan's a little bit like this story, really, because you know, I kind of 
I feel like I want to like this story, but I feel like I shouldn't like this story. And it's a little bit like Tegan, you know, I kind of, I want to like her. Um, I do think it's a, you know, it's a mistake and it's been talked about, you know, over the years. I do think it was a mistake having, you know, companions there who didn't really want to be there. You know, I can, yeah. I could understand it possibly for, you know, for, for Tegan's first series, uh, first full season, she's, you know, she, she does just want to get back and that's fair enough. And that's a nice little arc for her. But she, when she does finally decide to go back with the doctor at the end of this episode, she doesn't seem to get any more, she doesn't seem to be enjoying the trip, you know, oh. uh, for, in season 20 or, or, or season 21. She just seems to she still doesn't seem to want to be there. So it's kind of like, you know, it's it's not like she's, uh, you know, she says at the end of the argument, you know, Infinity, she's, she's going to rejoin. So why are you not happy traveling with the doctor after that point? Yeah. And she seems happy at the end as well. She's like, I got the sack. You know, I know you're stuck with me. And yeah. seems really happy that she's coming back. But then the next story she just reverts uh, to well the same in snake thing. dance the next story isn't it in snake dance she's she's sort of possessed so I'll forgive mm. her that one but, but um yeah. but yeah she just seems to after that go back into her old ways and moaning and it's just like sometimes i just wish the fifth doctor just went oh just piss off i'll just, just yeah. go then go, go yeah, back yeah. to wherever you want go away and and yet when she you know i when she returned in uh, the power of the doctor i thought she was absolutely fantastic and oh she was fantastic she was amazing and i just doctor. if they'd have just kind of tweaked her character a little bit and so that she was playing that kind of you know not moaning so much but kind of a bit of you know she kind of she wants to be there but she's 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 going to I'm not quite she's sure she's just a tetchy it. character yeah she's a tetchy like character a, she likes yeah. a bit of her moan but she's still like actually still yeah. quite happy to be there but yeah, yeah it always seems to come it's... across as oh where are we now you never take us where we want to go yeah like, where do you want to go then yeah if they'd have just tweaked her a little bit and, and written her like uh, like like Chibnall writes her then yeah I think she would have been uh... the only time I can think that she's really happy in the old seat is the five doctors when she actually says good things about the eye her and mm. says, you know, oh, it's so pleasant here. Can we stay here? That is the only time I can remember that she's actually like, I'm happy being here. This is lovely. Let's let's stay for a while. Yeah, yeah. And she she works really well with um with the first doctor as well. I I feel when she goes off to the uh, off to the tower, uh, she yeah. works really well. You know, so so yeah, Tegan. Yeah, I mean, I think Peter Davison sums it up really best himself when he's like, <laughs> she's not a bad character, but. I don't think she's the most suited to being with him. No. Really. In Arkham Infinity, we've got quite a big guest cast. We've got Leonard Sachs as the Lord President Barusa, mm-hmm. who was in he was in the massacre. He was, yeah. Um and he was in Thunderball as well, but I cannot think who he is. But every Doctor Who actor seems to have been in the James Bond films and vice versa. Can't mm-hmm. think who he was in that, but um No, I haven't watched that for years. Factor fourth Barusa who have we had at this point? We've had um We've had him in the Deadly Assassin, so this is only the second time, is it? Yes. No, it's the third time, because it's Invasion it... of Time. So it's the third version oh, of Oh, of course, yeah, Invasion of Time, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is, and there's more to come <laughs> with Bruiser, quite a few yeah. to come. Um, we've got Michael Goff as Councillor Hedden, mm-hmm. who is in, of course, famous as the Celestial Toymaker, mm-hmm. another first Doctor story. Bat- uh, Batman, of course, the, the Batman movies, he was uh, yeah. the butler. Yeah. Uh, Alfred. Alfred, yeah, yeah, Alfred. yeah, he's, yeah, he's great as Alfred. 
and he's in a lot of the Hammer horror films. I watched um, the original Hammer Dracula the other night. He had quite a big role in that. He was really good. Wow. And he was also married to Annika Wills, wasn't he? Yes. yes yeah, he for, for, for a time. Yeah, I think they had three kids. They had a couple of kids together. Yeah, I think right? so, yeah. But well, Ian Collier is the renegade, as he's noted as part one of two. <laughs> but he's Omega. And he was in Apparel. Um, I think he does a lot of voice work. Mm. Rather than, I didn't find many things that he was in acting wise, or certainly something in the long running. Yeah. Colin Baker, that um, whoever he is, is Commander Maxwell. No idea. <laughs> no idea who he is. <laughs> no idea. Paul Jericho is the Castellan, who is a stalwart of Triangle. Maybe that got him the. Um, although he doesn't go to Amsterdam in this, does he? He's no, just he doesn't. In the studio. Yeah. I like Paul Jericho, um, but it it always because uh, I I saw um, the Five Doctors first. Um, you know, as I'm sure a lot of people our age, um, one of the first stories they ever saw was the Five Doctors, and um, so I was always um, I was always surprised. Then many many years later, when I saw Arc of Infinity, to see the Castellan, you know, Paul Jericho. So yeah, I, I do like his character. It's nice to have a little bit of a, you know, continuity there. You know, yeah, because everyone else gets recast. I mm. think probably I think because they weren't available or something. I, I suspect that's what I think that's what was with some of them anyway. But yeah, we get yeah. a new Russo, we get a new Flavia, we get a new mm-hmm. um well, we get a new guard captain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless it is Maxwell regenerated in the five doctors. Oh yeah, to be fair, I don't know. He's never given a name, is he? Yeah. No, he's not named. Mm. Yes, you can see he's, he was armed and trying to escape. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was also Paul Jericho in the bill. Ah, okay. But I can't remember. No. <laughs> um, Neil Dalgleish as Daemon, who mm. popped up in EastEnders and Secret Army, and he's sort of like the Doctor's pal in this one. He's, we get told that he's, they've met before, and he's aware of him, but we've not yeah. seen that story. Well, I've got a, I've I've um I've got a, not a theory about the character, but I've got a theory about who the who the character should have been. Um, okay. I I I have I've seen before that there, there were plans to have um, Louise Jameson back as Leela, so I'm wondering if that character was meant to be Leela, um, and it was maybe a hangover from that because you know the. It's just out of the blue that he knows this Damon guy, um, and, <laughs> yeah. and clearly he's not Leela. But I'm just wondering if he was a, if he, between him and Nissa, um, whether they were kind of replacements. Obviously, Nissa's not a replacement, but I'm wondering if if the character of Damon was a replacement, and uh, Nissa gets a lot of the stuff to do that that Leela would have been doing because she goes, she goes a bit crazy with a gun in this story. Yeah. Nissa. So so yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Although I. I... They must have changed their occupation or something because I can't see Leela as uh, working in the computer room. I'm no, no. I can't see that at all. <laughs> I can never see her obviously with a gun. No. <laughs> Elspeth Grey as Chancellor Flavia, who is in Four Wednesdays in a Funeral, Tenko, The Black Adder, Cat Weasel. She was in a, she mm. was in a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, I mainly saw her in... Um... It's the first series of Blackadder, isn't it? That she's it's in. The she's first one, the, yeah. The, the one that isn't as good as the others. Yeah, <laughs> I like to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. the queen in that. Mm-hmm. When did you first see the story, then, Jim? And uh, what were your first thoughts? 
Okay, so I think it was, was it released on videos? It was about 94, maybe, I think 94. Yeah, 95, it was 94. Like yeah, yeah, so yeah. I would have been about 12, 12 years old in 94. So, um, and uh, I was very lucky as a as a 12-year-old, as a child, actually, because my dad was a massive Doctor Who fan, so he would buy each VHS video as it was released. So um, the first time I saw it was on VHS in 1994. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I, I would, we would, we would gather at, uh, well, me and my dad would gather at my dad's flat, um, on a Friday night and we'd watch the, whichever, whichever video he'd bought. So I've got, I think that's where a lot of my goodwill towards a lot of these supposedly bad stories comes from, because I've got a very nice, uh, memory of watching a lot of them, you know, with my dad. So yeah, that was, that would have been the first time I ever saw it, 94. I think the first thing I ever saw of this one was the, it was on the Colin Baker years tape. There was a couple of clips. I think Colin Baker years tape came out not long before the mm. story came out. And there's a couple of clips of that, obviously Colin talking about Esmeralda, the hat and all mm. the rest of it. That and could have then, been where I first saw bits of it then, yeah. I think, because I, I did have the Colin Baker years as well. Yeah, the clip that sprung, springs to mind that was on that, that really, like, like, oh, that's interesting. And and I remember when I first saw it was the scene just before he gets executed and the producers calling out the citation and Peter Davidson's face is just like, well, oh, I'm going to die then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I always remember that clip, but um, then, of course, it came out in VHS a couple, of, uh, couple of months later and um, I, I really enjoyed it when I, when I first saw it. Um, so much so that I had this, because I don't, uh, as people probably know, I don't, by the, the Blu-rays, I'm still resisting now. I'm still resisting <laughs> not to upgrade again. But um, I had a mad idea when I got all the v- when the VHSs ended and the DVDs started. Right, I'm not going to get the DVDs now. I know what happened there. I did end up getting the DVDs. So. I had exactly the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> but what I tried to do instead was my granddad had just bought it was fancy the new thing at the time was a, like a DVD burner, so you could you could attach the VHS to this machine, and you could burn it onto DVD. And that's mm-hmm. what I did with all my Doctor Who tapes. I mean, what a waste of time that was when I ended up getting on the DVDs anyway. But the first one I ever did was Ark of Infinity, because um, wow. at the time, it was one of my guilty pleasures. Mm. I'll not say what I think of it now until later, but <laughs> but uh, at the time, <laughs> uh, it was one of my one of my favourite stories. I, I, I really liked it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'll keep I'll keep streaming now what uh, what's happened since. I often I often think as 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 kids, um, especially for me, um, I often think that we are swept up in what we see at the time and we don't really form too much of an opinion on it because we're kind of mm-hmm. we're just enjoying what we're seeing, you know. And for me at the time, it was the Doctor running around Amsterdam and uh, you know Omega and uh, all these cool cool at the time special effects and and i think sometimes even now it's i've only just like on more recent rewatches figured out what the story is about you know and i think it's because it's it's so it's something that i didn't pay so much attention to because i was just Mm -hmm. getting swept up in what was happening in front of me rather than actually understanding what's going on in the story and i think that's the case for a lot of doctor who stories for me so so yeah it's a yeah, it, it, it often it's often difficult for me to to separate a story from my kind of my nostalgic look. Oh yeah, I think that's the same for all of us. But I, I, you're absolutely right that um, like when you get older, 
suddenly things that you loved as a kid and then you see it maybe maybe you see see you watch it years later and you think hmm that's not quite how i remembered it and mm. certainly i find i found that with the mccoy stories for example like watching the stories when it came out on video years later and thinking still liking them but thinking that's not quite how i remembered it i can't remember this bit of the plot what happened mm. um because as a kid, as you say, you've got the image of your brain of the monster or the... Yeah. And you're swept up with all that when... Yeah. And it's it's, it's interesting as well, because, I mean, it's like totally, completely different subject. But um, I've always been a, a huge fan of um, the, the Transformers. And um, I was uh, I was a massive fan of the comics more than anything. And, and I grew up reading the comics as a kid. And I always used to get this kind of nostalgic buzz of thinking you know I used to think back to the 80s and kind of 80s music and my time reading these comics and and what uh, during lockdown I reread the entire uh entire back catalogue of all the uh UK Transformer comics that had been reprinted and it they were great but when I finished reading them that entire nostalgic buzz was gone and it's oh, never no. come back. And I, and I, I sometimes sit there and I think, I used to sit there for ages thinking, oh, you know, thinking about Transformers or what, what what it meant to me back then. But it was gone. As soon as I'd read it, I was like, oh, wow, I don't ever feel the need to ever go back to these because I think the reason I was going back to them was because I wanted to feel that, that kind of warm comfort. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very strange. Very strange. That's never quite happened with Doctor Who. Um, no, it's yeah. interesting, isn't it? It never happens mm. with Doctor Who. Um, I'm scared now. I was going to, I was going to on my watching list, which has got about 101 things. I still want to watch. I was going to go back and watch some of these things I watched as a kid, but I might not do that now. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a very, it's yeah, a very risky thing. My my friend, um, my friend, she started watching. She was a massive fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I am as well. But she watched it on its original transmission, and I didn't watch it till years later. And she went back to rewatch it, and um, she uh, she didn't finish it because she said she didn't feel the same watching it again um, because uh -huh. it didn't give her the same feeling. And so, yeah, I think sometimes it's a it is a bit of a risk to go back to something and rewatch it. Sometimes it's better to stay with the memories. <laughs> a shameless plug at this point, but we know that our mutual friend of ours has just released another podcast, and it is a Buffy related. Podcast. Oh yes, yes, yes. I've, been, I've listened to the first it? couple of episodes. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the story of Arkham Infinity begins on a citadel in Gallifrey, where a shadowy figure communes with a being of antimatter. And elsewhere, two technicians, Damon and Taylor, detect the illicit transmission of a Time Lord biodata extract. The first thing that struck me immediately was these cubes that he plays with, this Time Lord. He's, he, this, it's like a very quirky-looking dice. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And the music. Um, what's your thoughts on the music in this story? I, now, okay, so I'm going back to that kind of the childhood thing again here, but um, there's something about, I mean, I this the the music in this story is not that great. It's really not. It's a little bit overpowering. It's uh, it's a bit too much in your face. Um, but there's some there's something about the kind of your eighties uh, kind of um, radiophonic soundtracks that. Uh, I like. Um, I think it just gives me that kind of, kind of a warm feeling. Um, but it's not the greatest music. It's um, is it Roger Lim? Is it Roger Lim? The, the... Roger oh, Lim. I can't yeah. remember, but I, I remember it reading that he's responsible for Time Flight. This mm -hmm. 
which made me think, oh God, well that's no surprise he'd done both stories because Time Flight's music is also quite the same, as similar actually, I think. Yeah, it is, but yeah. he also later on manages to do Vengeance on Varos, which has got a great score. Like, and he, is that and the he same does, man? Yeah, he does Caves of Andrazani and Revelation of the yeah. Daleks as well. And wow. they are very, very, um, I rewatched Revelation the other, the other week and it's very, very oh, atmospheric music. Fantastic. Brilliant. And obviously Caves is sublime. But yeah. How is this the same composer? He must have found his feet a little bit by the time he got to the uh, back end. Because the music in this is, I think, quite a bit ear-aching. It's it's mm. too over the top. Um, you're, it takes you, rather than supplementing the story, it sort of irritates the story for me. It does. It's memorable, but I don't mm. think in a good way. <laughs> no, no, it just needs toning down a little bit, I think. And this shadowy figure, of course, is talking to, who is, spoiler alert, Omega, saying, mm-hmm. you know, like... Uh, Every, preparations are complete and everything and it's a bit obvious it's hidden isn't it i think it is yeah i don't know i don't quite know what the intention was with this well yeah, obviously they're trying to they're trying to disguise who it is but it's not working and i think <laughs> what, what's the point you know <laughs> i just i just thought when i watched it right you can tell immediately that's michael go yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're not detect you're not uh so uh, it can't be anybody else can it <laughs> confirms the, the doctor's extracts being taken uh, by the machine and uh, he leaves because of course uh, Taylor goes, no, no, even though that's happened, no, you just go, go away. Hmm. Which was a bit strange. <laughs> um, and the shadow figures confirming that bonding can proceed. So <laughs> this guy Taylor, I don't think is a great actor. Um, he's pretty wooden actually. It's a crap yeah. name as well, isn't it? Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Just sort of goes like, Damon's like, you've got to see this. And he goes, what is it? Like, it's like, <laughs> there's no surprise. There's no like, oh my God. You know, it's just no. <laughs> very wooden delivery. And um, saying like, uh, and the shadowy figure then says like, a fault's developed. We were detected or something. Eh? And this is where we get the first sort of, this focus that the director's got on playing with the pencil. So he's got this Gallifrey, mm. what looks like a Gallifrey pen or pencil. All mm. you see the whole story is I'm just twiddling it about. It's very mysterious. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't I don't quite get what that was that was all about, whether it's to just give <laughs> give him give him some kind of animation into you know, into but it yeah, it's a little bit odd, isn't it? I mean, you know. However, I mean I sit there sometimes at work talking to people, twiddling a pen around, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, it's always the doctor, isn't it? It's extracts we take. Was there any other time where he says, you know, for all these reasons, it has to be the doctor? It has and he to be the doctor. his chin going, goes, you know, like, hmm, interesting, brilliant, you know, <laughs> most ingenious. <laughs> of course, it's the bloody doctor. You've had a stray with him and all that, as we find yeah. out. You have to pick always the most the difficult person to get hold of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Taylor <clears throat> says to Damon, for some reason, he doesn't even report it or anything. He's like, we'll just cut it. And, you know, like, I'll decide what to do about it. Tells him to go because, well, okay, just because he's just allowed to go. Mm. There's no security. There's no guard outside. And then the guy's allowed to come in and kill him, basically. Yeah. But, of course, we can't carry on without impulse laser. (laughs) The guy's just standing there. He's got a gun in his face saying, good evening. And he just goes, impulse laser. Like, yes, you're going to die. Yeah. He's not very animated, this guy, is he? No, 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 he's absolutely not. I don't know. Um, I don't know anything about the actor, to be fair. Um, 
don't know if he's been in anything else. Um, hopefully not. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect, but I don't think the RFC uh, would be invaded by him um, no. <laughs> from that performance. <laughs> uh, so the oh, TARDIS dear. is invaded by a whirling vortex that absorbs mm. the Doctor. So, yeah, we we catch up with the Doctor and Nyssa, um, who are on their own because Moni Tegan's not there anymore. Hmm. And they make a great pairing. Like, they do. The, the, if you've heard them, um, you you listen to the Big Finishes, Jim, don't you? I've listened to uh, probably everything up until about 2013. So I I was a massive fan of their early stuff. So a lot of that um, uh, Fifth Doctor and Nyssa stuff um, has stuck with me. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, they, they do make an absolutely brilliant pairing. Yeah, I mean, she's just the best one. Like, all the Quanzies gets who just compliments them. Because yeah. the Fifth Doctor is obviously like this more like um, more subdued figure, to mm. say the least. He's not he's not a big bellowing presence in a room. No, this sort of supplements that she's quite quiet and and scientific, and they just have this nice little chemistry. But unfortunately, what they decide to do when we see them for the first time together on their own is making repairs to the TARDIS. Mm. I mean, of all the things they could have had them doing, I mean, they could have been yes, let's go into the sand mines of. Talos 4 or whatever. Yeah. But they're just making repairs and saying, right, we're just going to resolve, you know, the, the recall circuit and yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's dull, isn't it? And I think, I think, that, I think that's something that a lot of the 80s stories uh, suffer with, um, you know, starting the, starting the episode within the TARDIS. You know, I don't think, obviously the TARDIS is how they get from A to B. Um, however, you know, it'd be nice sometimes to, to not see... Uh, see an episode start in the TARDIS and spend so long in the TARDIS. I think I think didn't JNT want to emulate the kind of the sixties feel of of them being yes. in the TARDIS. Yeah. yeah it doesn't, did, but it doesn't I, quite work the same, I don't work. think. The thi- for the the TARDIS in the sixties felt more like a like it was being used to uh, it was a home to them. It felt more like a home, like they were you know, it was it was something they were really travelling in. Whereas whereas the, the TARDIS in the in the eighties just feels like uh, it, it's kind of it, it's something to get to A to B, and it's like what what's the point in in pod starting an episode in in the TARDIS? You know, have them start somewhere else. Have them start in the middle of an adventure, maybe. You know, yeah, it could have been in Amsterdam having a holiday. You yeah, know, exactly. Yeah, mm. I do love his turns. So it, um, he fixes the circuit for the scanner. And then he turns the thing on to hear the sound. There's no sound, and then he just sucks the thing down and says, "Well, now we've got nothing to look at. Peace and quiet all round." <laughs> then he goes out the room, and then all you hear is this: "Go, doctor, doctor, come quickly!" And he just does. I love it. It's. I found it quite comical. He just sort of stops and and does a, a swift turn and <laughs> runs into the. <laughs> yeah. So we've got this. Um, weird vortex that comes to the TARDIS. And I love the effect of this. It's this nice mm. effect in this column that comes in. And um, this column tries to take over the Doctor. Because Nissa turned around because we have this, the, everything slows down when they're running in the corridor. And that mm. bit of music is all right. That yeah. Bit the, where it's chasing them. Um, mm. And uh, you see what is Omega try to absorb with him, but he just sort of goes, no, no, and uh, yeah. collapses. Um, yeah. Is that because, as we find out, that was deliberate, wasn't it? That he was deliberately not trying to make it permanent. Uh, <laughs> I, I, is is it? Is it that he's trying to? 
So he's still even even now still trying to work the story out. Um, he's trying to just isn't he just trying to replace kind of take over his body, and something yes. happens and it pulls him back and he can't make the he can't make the 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 transfer or, or whatever word. Yeah, he's just to do sell the thing in Amsterdam and make it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, go, I mean, going back to you, what you said about the special effects, I actually think it is really. I think a lot of the special effects are in in this story are actually pretty good. Well, maybe not when uh, the Doctor and Tegan are wobbling about in the in the Matrix, but um, <laughs> but I think you know it's like because they they I I tried to watch it with the with the uh, CGI special uh, effects that they put onto onto it on the on the DVD, and I just. I, I wasn't keen on them um, because I, I think the original effects are pretty good. I think they're pretty good for the story, especially the the, the negative image of Omega um, when he's talking to Hedin. I think that's really Yeah, effective. that looks great. I mean, I, I almost wish that they had kept him like that, the whole story, really, because mm. it, it's, sort of, it's a bit dull when he turns up in his full yeah. and again. Like, oh. And again, they've turned the they've turned the lighting down as well in that scene. Yes. So you know, it, it it's much more effective. You know, there's quite a few sets where they do that, and it's like, yes, put the mm. bleeding lights down. Um, so we find out from the doctor that there was antimatter shielding. So it's a collapsed Q star in a region called the Arc of Infinity, and he's very sort of amazed by this. On <laughs> <laughs> the Arc of Infinity, and. Uh, yeah, I just think it's a dull name for a story, actually. Arc of Infinity. Mm, I don't I think, like the name. No, I think it doesn't. It doesn't really grab you, does it? As a as a as an exciting title. I mean, I'm not quite sure what you'd call it. The bonding with Omega. Which probably <laughs> is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I just think it's a dull scientific sort of I, name, you know. I, I think that was a, another problem with the '80s, wasn't it? They had quite a lot of dull titles, you know. Terminus and uh, Four to Doomsday, and <laughs> mind you, Four to Doomsday is probably that's a little bit more exciting. The title, isn't it? Because it kind of, you know, it, it evokes something, something big is going to happen. But you know, I think if you, I think you probably have to give this story something a different title, something relating to Amsterdam, maybe. I don't know, you know. Um... Yeah, almost like I mean, there was that. There's an audio that set right after this called "The Waters of Amsterdam" mm. um, from Big Finish. Yeah, why didn't they just call it that? That would have been a better title. Yeah, the waters, the waters supposed to be involved with the booster and yeah, exactly. Yeah, where am I going with this? I it would, <laughs> but it would attract your kind of yeah. your viewing public to kind of yeah, watch if you'd it. I Amsterdam think. the title, it would have went. Oh God, they're going to Amsterdam. I mean, I know mm -hmm. everyone knows because they've done the press and all that and saw the pictures, but mm -hmm. it might have sucked a few more folk in. You know, like yeah. if they actually just put it so somebody opened the radio times in that day went, oh, he's going to Amsterdam. Yeah. So we go to Amsterdam, where um, Colin and Robin are in need of someone to sleep at <laughs> night and go to an underground crypt, which is used as a pump house. I do like the transition to Amsterdam from the TARDIS. It just sort of, um, it's sort of like a crossfeed. Mm. I like the music here, but the, the the traditional sort of Amsterdam music and it sets the, the atmosphere and all that. Yeah. Yeah, these two guys. Um, mm. Why on earth is he afraid that the policeman's going to arrest him for losing his passport? He's not going to know. Yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. It's like, what, what's, what, what's, you know, nobody's going to know about it until, until what, it's time to go home. What were they up to, to lose their passport? <laughs> I mean, were they at a nightclub the night before and lose it with the ID? I mean, it's... 
It must have done. I don't know. I mean, and 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 what possesses them to go and sleep in a crypt? I mean, <laughs> why? You why would you do that? Surely you go and sleep in a park or somewhere. You go on a park bench, not in a crypt. Because they've got a um, a hostel, but I'm assuming for that's the next day. Yes. Yeah. So I like think they, they can't they stay the hostel, in there. But, yeah. they, but obviously, the place that they were going to go in beforehand is something's happened there. Right? I, yeah. I've got this theory that they went there on a wee guys trip, you know, and yeah. they, they went to a party, lost their passport or something, they've been chucked out their hostel, didn't yeah. know what to do. Um, and then, yeah, he's afraid that the policeman's going to arrest them, which is a bit yeah. bizarre. bizarre. Um, why are they not just going to the embassy and saying, I've lost my passport? In fact, yeah. he needs to do that throughout the whole story. At the end, he still <laughs> lost the passport. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, an interesting, uh, they're an interesting pair, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Are they pals or more than that? I, th- I reckon that possibly. Matters. I think there might be more. I think there might be more than that. I think. I just think with some of it, we'll get to it. But some of the lines that this, that, that Colin, um, sorry, that Robin comes out with, I'm thinking, I okay. Mm. Um, <laughs> they get yeah. this, so they're walking about, and um, he's saying, "Yeah, I know somewhere to sleep. It's quiet as the grave." Trying to be all clever, mm. and then he points and says, "We're we're staying there," and he goes, "There." It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a house that he's pointing <laughs> to. Yes. And he goes to the fountain and says, it's so dark down here. Well, a fountain must be so dark. You're going to get a fountain, pal. <laughs> and all this stuff about, it's our nest. Aye, okay, it's your nest, is it? <laughs> Definitely wouldn't be going down into a crypt with uh, with that fella. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a very strange delivery. I mean, I love his line, at least take your boots off. <laughs> <laughs> because... <laughs> Which which one's which? So the uh, Australian is he? He's Colin, isn't he? Colin's uh, Tegan's cousin, yeah. Tegan's and cousin and Rob. Is it Robin's Robin quite fair, Robin. I think. Yeah, Robin's. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, I don't think Robin's the the. Well, I don't think either of them are the greatest actors in the world. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's he's very. Uh, it's all it's all a little bit forced, isn't it? And a bit yeah, stagey. Yeah, it's very Ken Williams esque. I thought, at least take your boots off. Yeah. And the, the looks and, yeah. Oh, um... Come on, come on, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But he's right, though, about one thing when he said that, that it's a pump house, and Amsterdam apparently have got all these pump houses to keep the, the water level. I, I, I didn't oh, realize. Wow. Oh, so that's no, true. That. So there's something in Johnny Burns thinking here about there, there would be like pressure with boosters and mm-hmm. all that. Um. And then they're having a wee sleep in separate... Well, we see them in separate sleeping bags at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the tar- a TARDIS lands in the crypt. Mm. This is where it's the first of um, about five or so coincidences that are just like <laughs> astronomical like odds. But the way I look at it, I forgive it actually that because in the, if this was a new series story, Russell Davies would just have put in a clever light to explain why that... Oh, you know, Tegan was drawn back to the doctor or something, mm-hmm. and so all the the things came together, like yeah. in um, like the stolen earth and that when it says like all these things are happening, they're all drawn to you. Yeah, um, and it's a similar thing here. So this crypt, it just happens to materialize in the crypt with her cousin, which <laughs> you'll meet in a minute. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Colin it is gets a... up. Sorry, Colin gets up. Uh, Robin, sorry. Uh, no, Colin gets up with his yellow shoes on. Mm-hmm. I thought he had very class-looking yellow '80s shoes on, <laughs> and I didn't notice them and those those uh, those shoes until it was because uh, I listened to the commentary the other night. Um, I didn't notice the the yellow shoes until it was pointed out in the commentary. I was like, oh gosh, yeah, 
Wow. And this TARDIS is there. This other crypt opens because he says, that wasn't there. <laughs> and uh, this door opens. Why the hell is there dry ice coming out of Omega's TARDIS? I don't know. See, this is, this is this is the point where it is probably explained in the story. And I've, I probably understood it when I was watching it. But I always forget the re- what, why, you know, what is going on. So is, <laughs> is Omega... Omega's in that TARDIS, I'm assuming. Yes. But so how is he how is he there? I mean, is he just is yeah, he between? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it gets explained. Um and I, I think remember it being explained. Uh, I, I had a theory that um so Hedden's got into contact with he's last time we saw him, right, was in this antimatter universe. The doctor's banished him back there and he's mm-hmm. gone. So yeah. somehow Hedden's managed to contact him. So Either he's been doing an experiment or some Gallifreyan science or something, and mm. his contact, he somehow managed to contact Omega, and he's seen like that image of him, which I'm assuming is a projection, as as we find out. Mm-hmm. So he somehow manages to send him a TARDIS, so or something. Mm-hmm. If he sent him a TARDIS, so how did he get past the guards and Gallifrey? I mean, this is where it all gets. Yeah. But he says later on, Omega, that he you destroy my TARDIS, but I'll build another. So he, that would suggest that he's built his TARDIS. How mm. he's built his TARDIS, I don't know. Has he got a leaf? Like uh, David Tennant's uh, <laughs> Metacrisis Doctor had in the Antimatter Universe, but yeah. he's managed to grow this TARDIS. Um, I've just remembered is what he said. So yeah. he's grew that TARDIS apparently. Yeah, it's 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 all very. So is he so has he grown that in his Antimatter Universe? And then if that's the case, is it, LZ I, in this I, I mean, I'm not a scientist, <laughs> so I don't quite understand. Yeah, you know, it, it, I, it I, I do know that antimatter and matter can't exist together. Yeah. So if that is the case, and his TARDIS has been created in the antimatter universe, how come it is in our universe? How can it land in our universe? I don't, I, I don't know. The other thing I'd forgotten was I thought, how is Omega alive in that TARDIS in our universe? If he needs to bond and all and know the story, what the story's about. And I thought I totally forgotten, but I thought that that ring you see him later on with a ring around him when mm. he's changing, and I thought that that ring was uh, like kept him safe or something or done something. But no, he's mm. walking about and talking to Tegan later in the room later. So I'm yeah, like, what's going on? So somehow yeah. we don't know how, but he's <laughs> he needs a bond and to stay in the unit. He does say the only other thing he says at the beginning was, "I can't." St- uh, stay in your, I can be in your dimension, but without the physical imprint of bonding, I have to. I can't remain among you. So, right. I, I don't know. So is that that kind of maybe is a, j- a gate to jail card for Johnny Byrne because it means that. God, we're, ans- we're answering it- questions here. This is good. <laughs> um, where, um, yeah. So he somehow is able to be in the universe, but not for a long time. I think that's probably the case. He can only remain there for for so long before he gets. Yes, hold back again. Hayden maybe gave him the booster, didn't he? Mm. So Hayden's yeah. given him the booster. He's going to Amsterdam because he thinks that's the best place on earth. Well, okay. why not? Um, <laughs> to put a, a fusion booster, and he's going to put the fusion booster there. He's bonded with the doctor. Well, tried to bond with the doctor, but he's trying to bond with the doctor so that then he can make the transition. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Right. right. <laughs> I, I, well I, I think us. that's We're it. Yay! <laughs> But yeah, no. I don't know why um, dry ice comes out. It's obviously not serious, no. <laughs> but it makes no sense. No. And the dreaded Ergen appears. Yeah. Yes, the giant chicken is he's affectionately known in by some Doctor Who fans. Mm. Yeah, it's a real shame this guy, isn't it? As we've talked about, with his head and yeah, 
Not 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 the fault of uh, script editor Eric Saywood. Um, well, of course not. It was the fault of the producer Johnny Fontana. Yes, absolutely. Um, I was I was reading it the other day. Um, um, was it was it on Twitter? I can't remember. Um, but uh, Eric, I'm sure I'm sure I read on Twitter. Eric Saywood had said he'd never seen the designs of the the Ergon, so he didn't know what it was going to look like. And uh, somebody had posted a screenshot or something or said something on Twitter to say, yeah, actually he did. He saw he saw the designs of it. Yeah, um, I did. Yeah. 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 So he 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 knew, you know. Uh, not that I'm trying to <laughs> not that I'm trying to attack Eric's uh, Eric Saywood, but uh you know he doesn't it's, it's never it's never his fault, is it? <laughs> no, that's sorry, that's sorry, I'll take that back. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Wait, wait, wait what you just said, yeah. It's, that he never has the blame for anyone. No. He used to charge the scripts and he never knew what time flight was about. So like, with you, Danny, how the hell is anyone going to know? Exactly. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's not, yeah, um, it's not the greatest, uh, it's not the greatest uh, creature ever. He looks a bit cute looking, though. I mean, I'll give him that. He, he's, 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 he's harm- Well, he's not harmless because he's, <laughs> he's quite powerful actually. Because isn't mm. it? Omega says it's one of my least, most least successful attempts at. There's some. There's a line that covers what it is. Yeah. But, it's a scientific sort of jargon, sort of. This is just an. Ex- this is just created by Omega the Man. <laughs> and 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 let's be fair. I suppose if you were if you'd lost your passport, and uh, you'd have it, you were forced to sleep in a dark crypt, and you woke up in the middle of the night and saw that thing coming towards you, um, out of bloody dry eyes, like stars in your <laughs> eyes or something like that. Then yeah, I think I think it would look pretty terrifying at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Peter Davidson says in the commentary, like, would you not run away at this point and everything else? But no, he would be scared stiff. <laughs> He'd yeah. be like, oh my God, what is yeah. this thing? Yeah. And he gets shot with this gun. And we don't know what's happening. It's a nice little negative effect. noise. And But we later find out he's in Omega's TARDIS. So he's been basically transported two metres away into Omega's TARDIS. Yeah. Now that that's something I didn't quite understand either, like a lot of things with the story. But um, and I I don't know if Peter Davison might have explained it on the commentary. Um, I'm sure he says something about the gun turns them or helps them pass into Omega's realm or something like that, or into the into into the antimatter realm. I don't know. I don't know whether that's Peter Davison just that would explain a lot actually, because if it if that was the case, it would explain my. Omega is still in our universe, but he shouldn't actually be allowed to be there. Yeah. And he doesn't exit that TARDIS until this stuff in part four. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe uh, the inside dimension is in the antimatter universe. And yeah. it's just exterior that, yeah. Yeah. We should have been the script <laughs> editors, Jim. <laughs> needed, it needed somebody to be a script editor. <laughs> And he also, of course, uh, shoots a statue. So there's a statue kicking about in his <laughs> as well. I do love this set, though. The Dungeon mm. Crypt set looks great. And it, yeah, it does look really good. Mm. It's, and I mean, I'm, I'm jesting, of course, with the whole like it, doesn't it? I mean, I, I do always mean it where from a place of, uh, you know, jesting with Doctor Who's like, scripts that things don't make sense. But until you've seen the story, you the, the whole... The ice coming out, you know, just looks atmospheric, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's what's serious." It's only after you've seen the end of the story you think, "Well, actually, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever." Yeah. But when the first time watching it, it looks really good. It does. It does. And Colin's face scares me because suddenly, um, his pal slash lover slash we don't know, mm-hmm. um, Colin wakes up, 
and he's like, where is he? Where is he? Goes yeah. out with a torch and then suddenly sees him and he turns around, doesn't he? And he has a look, oh, he's got a horrible yeah. looking expression on his face. And I remember that scaring me the first time I saw the story. Um, yeah. And then he just buggers off and leaves him. Yeah, but I actually think that was, I, I think that scene's quite, it's quite scary, actually. Um, when I was watching it again the other night, I was sat there thinking, oh, God, you know, it's that kind of thing, you know, he's he, he's obviously somewhat, you know, he's freaked out by it, he needs to get out of there. And it's that kind of, that, um, you know, f- you know, fight or flight mode. And and the, the idea that there's something in there that's possibly going to come and get you quick. I need to pack my bag. I need to, I need to get all my stuff. Um, and it's actually quite... Um, Oh, does he do that a little bit later on? I'm, yeah, because what he does but... is he sees that. Sorry, he sees the the Ergen first. Mm, yeah, and then he manages to get away. So yeah. I can understand that, and you actually see it. There's a shot of him outside, like outside the place. Like, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he goes back in. He gets up the courage to go back in to get his stuff. Then he sees Colin, and he's like, "Come on, you've got to leave. I've got to leave." And then mm. when he turns round, he sees obviously the expression that he's a zombie. But then yeah. I, he's like, he buggers off. He just goes, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm not trying to come with me or whatever. He's just like, yeah. oh, shit, I'm getting out of this. Because yeah. <laughs> he's installing that um, that booster. Mm. Yes, he Paul is. installing that booster. Mm. Um, and then Robin ends up going to the, the hostel that they were supposed to be in and gets a message that Colin's cousin is going to arrive at the airport tomorrow. And he doesn't even have a go at the receptionist. Yeah. Like, I know he's been through a lot, but... Um, he, yeah. Completely unnecessary. Not today, not tomorrow. <laughs> I wish I could help, she said. <laughs> yeah, he has a right go to her. I thought, mm. cheeky. But yeah. he has been through a lot, to be fair. He's been, like, terrorised yeah. through the night. Yeah, but there's never any reason to be unpleasant to somebody. Exactly. <laughs> now, unfortunately, is the bit that you said was a bit more boring. Um, mm-hmm. We go yeah. to Gallifrey. Because the temporal bonding has been detected by the High Council and they're having a meeting of the High Council, which is always very interesting, of course, in Doctor Who, having the, yeah. high, the meeting of the timeline. Because, of course, there's such pomp as boring. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Commander Maxwell's ordered Damon to recall the TARDIS in the security compound. Um, yeah, it's not the greatest looking seats, uh, this uh, council chamber. No. It's like they're, they're sitting on steps. Yeah, it's really bad. It's um the the I think the whole of the, of how Gallifrey is depicted in in this story <laughs> is terrible. It's it's awful. I think um you know you you see it in the Deadly Assassin and it looks pretty you know it's pretty it looks quite majestic um at times and uh, even in Invasion of Time it's it's quite majestic. But here it just feels like the most smallest cramped cheap sets that they could possibly use. Yeah, I mean, I heard an argument on Ham's with a blunt penknife that Joe did, and um, and their argument was that well, this isn't the like the Grand Citadel. This isn't mm. the this is like the security uh, building or something. So it's not going to be like grandiose and yeah. But but yeah, I mean, which okay, I can buy that. But on the other hand, I've been to inside sort of buildings like that, and they've still looked like quite stylish to be honest yeah yeah this just feels you know it's just it's just an endless corridors boring corridors and time lords sat around like they're in some kind of weather spoons or something <laughs> they can't move <laughs> oh, I can't move my neck oh. 
Yeah. And, I mean, the guy I like. Sorry. No, as I was just going to say, you know, the Time Lords is at uh, the Time Lords. I, I mean, I. Uh, the Time Lords, uh, I like the idea of the Time Lords, um, but I just think that, you know, they're in, on, on for the most part, they're boring, you know, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's the, the idea of them is better, I think. Um, it's why it never seems to work when they bring them back. It's why, it's why it worked for, um, for Russell T when, um, you know, when they, when he wiped them all out, the, the, the idea of them was better than, than actually, actually actually seeing them and you know obviously Chibnall wiped out Gallifrey as well and <laughs> but it was Moffat who brought it back and it just wasn't that exciting I mean it yeah, was Ten and Sticks obviously like had them in his time as like these um, omnificent is that the word um, like beings mm. these godly like beings and the story is that Robert Holmes absolutely hated that the Time Lords were like that that they were just like magicians that could come in and just solve things Um and so he deliberately set up the Deadly Assassin for them to look, be sort of everyday, boring, corrupt people. And But the bad news is after they've done that, is of course like they have to be like that. For mm. um, whereas, yeah, it's... I mean, they're a bit more interesting in the Trial of Timeler because they're on a... like You find out more about the Matrix and they're on a space station. and Yeah. Else, but, but yeah, actually going back to Gallifrey and seeing the way they work and everything, I... I mean, some of the what they've managed to do in the audios is quite good, actually. They've managed to make that exciting, actually, the political oh. sort of intrigue, and you can imagine like um, people stabbing everyone in the back and everything. But in this story, it's yeah, it's pretty dull. It's like they're having a community meeting, and yeah, what's next on the agenda? Oh, we need to kill the doctor. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I can kind of, I can kind of understand, you know, kind of they're looking at it from from the viewpoint of you know the doctor cleared off from Gallifrey because he was so bored of being there and you can kind of see that you know he's boring being there but at the same time I don't know I kind of I like the I like the kind of the the god style time lords that you get in the war games and uh you know early Pertwee yeah I, like I do that. as well although I do love the Deadly Assassin I think the Deadly Assassin mm, oh god yeah it's one of my but, um, all-time favorite stories what best is um like Beings that are so powerful that you, they only come in when they're needed, sort of thing. Um, mm. yeah. Rather, rather than, yeah, it's actually to the credit of Big Finish, they make the Gallifrey audio so interesting, actually, because mm. it's on paper, it shouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we get, we, we meet these Time Lords. So you've got Barusa, of course, who I think this guy is the, the dullest of all the Barusas. I, I think he's the, the weakest of all of them because he's got quite a wooden delivery again yeah i don't believe that he's like this powerful president at all whereas the other ones i do mm. yeah it doesn't feel like he's got much of a character this this barusa you know no. you, the the previous ones and uh and in, indeed the uh i can't remember the gentleman who plays him in the in the five doctors but uh his uh yeah Philip very strong something. characters yeah yeah the guy in the five doctors is really good but the one in the even the invasion of time. I mean, I quite like the fact that he's just this dour sort of. Yeah. Uh, he's just got a bit more life to him. This guy is. Yeah. Uh, it's just boring, really. Yeah. We've got Falia, um Flavia. Mm. Um, again, I prefer the one in the Five Doctors. For me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've got the Castellan, who I like the Castellan because he's just an absolute buffoon. He's a, he's basically a policeman, but he's so yeah. useless. Yeah. And balls it, he's it all up. 
And the one a guy I really like is Zorak, who just comes out <laughs> with just bizarre lines. He hasn't got a clue what's going on. He's like the council. Like I've been in um, council meetings before, where like there's some people. Um, I would include myself as one of them where you're in the meeting and you have no idea what on earth's going on or what's getting talked about. <laughs> and he's just sort of like interjecting with what, you know, what's yeah. going on. And he says, like, this is a damn damnable business, he says here, you know, like it's like just interjects with these like useless sort of points. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And how how interesting would it have been if if uh, he'd have been uh, the the rogue time lord that was helping? Omega? That would have been more shocking to me because mm. it would be like, oh my god, the guy that you never batty two eyeless to is the, it actually would have been better because they, there's so many points in the story where it's nudged to it's heading, it's heading, yeah. it's heading. Yeah. Um, yeah. That when it is heading, it's no surprise at all, really. It's, no. Um, but yeah, Zorak saying damnable business, and he's like, then. But it'll soon decay. Then we'll know where the creature is. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I really yeah. like him. Um, yeah. We meet Maxwell and Esmeralda, the cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's, there's a lot of continuity, I noticed, uh, that gets talked about in this story. It's very continuity-heavy because it's on Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. We find out that the Doctor says, of course, finds out that the TARDIS has been recalled and he says it's only twice before that this has happened. We, yeah. find it, we get Leela mentioned, we get, um, mm. oh God, what else is there? There's, Romana, there's, I think they mentioned yeah, Romana. Romana gets mentioned, yeah. yeah. There's so many things which, um, to people who know what they're talking about, we go, oh yeah, I remember Romana, I remember mm-hmm. that. Whereas perhaps the general audience would go, what's he talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's sort of what happens in the 80s, it's very continuity heavy. Um, yeah, it is, it is. Um, it is uh, It is very con- uh, continuity heavy. Um, and I think... Uh, it's probably. I mean, I think I think Doctor Who was still quite popular at this point. Um, I think it got pretty decent viewing figures for this story, and of course, it's the twentieth anniversary, so you know people were people were quite yeah. Uh, the people were still watching the show, um, but I think uh, a lot of the continuity um, points probably weighed it down a little bit too much. The more it went on. Um, in the 80s, you know. Yeah, I mean, Muffet's uh, time is sort of given the same accusation about, you know, is he make, is it being made for the fans or for the, the public? Mm. And I think you could level that a lot of the 80s stories, actually. Um, but yeah. this is the 20th anniversary year, so maybe it's more acceptable because it's like, well, we're going to bring... Well, they, in fact, they do. They bring things back to the past all the time they in do, this series. Yeah. Yeah. Even though um, I was thinking about that the other day because Gallifrey, that comes back in this. You've got... I'd like to think that people remembered the Mara from the season before in the next story. Then you've got a Black Guardian trilogy where probably nobody will remember who Black Guardian was. No. But it doesn't matter, really. You don't have to know. I didn't know when no. I first watched those stories. The Master turns up in King's Demons, but again, probably everyone knows who he is. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the Five Doctors, which, of course, is the big celebration. So this yeah. is the one that I think gets affected more. It's just like, yeah, I just thought, God, they're mentioning everything in this. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like they have to kind of throw in so much, you know, just to, just to, just to keep people happy. But it, but it's like you know, I've I've always said, you know, um, Doctor Who under Russell T Davis was made for the general public, um, and yeah, it was it was latched on by the fan. You know, the fans absolutely loved it, and I think Moffat Moffat's uh, Doctor Who was made for um, made for the fans. Um, so and i think that's where it kind of loses that's where it lost its 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 general audience and yeah. i think it's a bit similar 
it back in 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 this era in the 80s because i feel like you know up until probably the you know probably uh jnt came in it was more for the general public and as soon as he came in it was being made more for fans. That's how that's how I I've, I've always felt. I, I agree. Um, I think Stephen Muffet even said, you know, like we've I'm making it for the fans because we've got the audience. We know that 10 million or whatever are going to tune in every week, so we might as well just give them what mm. give them that. Unfortunately, what happened though is that, as you say, the the audience started to to go. Yeah. So that's fine. You can keep it like that if the audience is still there. But if the audience is tailing off, then even the fans aren't what your fans aren't watching at that yeah. point. So then you have to, I think. You know, shake up a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just there's a lot of continuity in this because it's set on Gallifrey, and often that happens with Gallifrey stories. Full stop. Um, mm-hmm. So the Doctor's Tardis is put into the security compound because Maxwell, and Maxwell is enjoying this far too much. He's like, you know, say to Damon, you know, um, I want in the in the room. Why are you treating him like a criminal? Arrest him! Like, <laughs> calm, dude. <laughs> he's enjoying himself yeah, he's far great. too much. Yeah, he's great. He's a great character, Maxwell. And the, the doctor goes out and he sees the door and is like, oh, well, it's a it's a key. We can unlock it. And Nyssa um, thinks that they've been sent there to help Gallifrey find the creature. But the doctor, of course, lets slip that he thinks that they might be wanting to kill him to solve the problem by just killing him. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's just far too calm. I mean, Nyssa's absolutely like, to kill you? You know? And he's just sort of like, perhaps. Yeah, I just thought, come on, Doc. You know, you think you're going to get killed? Yeah, there's no, there's no urgency there, is there? It's no. he, he's very, he's very, he's he's much too. I don't know. It's almost like he's not involved so much. You know, it's 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 very strange. Yeah, I mean, all the fifth Doctor's more like placid, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I like the fifth Doctor, um, but I... Uh, I do as well, but he, sometimes you just want to... Uh, he needs a rocket up his arse. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think that's what he needs. Damon gives him a bit of help, so he unlocks the compound from his computer desk, and uh, they try to go to the computer room, but of course uh, the guards are after them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they evade a couple, and then unfortunately, his future incarnation, uh, sorry, Maxwell, <laughs> shoots the Doctor. Yeah, what's he playing at? And he enjoyed that far too much. He did. <laughs> he really loved that. Yeah, his um, <clears throat> yeah, it's quite uh, it's quite interesting um, watching uh, watching him play Maxwell, and uh, it was really um, it was really entertaining listening to the 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 uh, Colin on the commentary as well. Um, uh, watching it with uh, with uh, Peter Davison and uh, Sarah Sutton and. Um, Janet Fielding, um, yeah, it's, uh, he's such a such a good character, such a good character. Oh, as as we've said, he, he <clears throat> livens this one up enormously mm. on Gallifrey. Um, the Doctor, unfortunately, hasn't been called. He's been stunned, <laughs> and uh, is, is carried to the TARDIS, where Maxwell removes the space time element to prevent it leaving. Um, yeah, Zorak with another classic line. When they're all talking about it and saying he's in custody now, and he says he resisted the guards. <laughs> <laughs> and Hedden makes a very good point. He says, "Well, what would you do? Like he's 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 been brought home forcibly. Mm. He basically knows that we're going to kill him. The guards are, are, are we've treated him like a criminal. Wouldn't you try to resist and run away?" Mm. And he just does this look as if to say, "Well, actually, you've got a point there." <laughs> 
the lighting in the TARDIS, it's like an enlightenment. Keep the light down when they t- yeah. take the space time out. It's like, take, keep it out all the time. Yeah, it looks so good. It looks so, so good when it's like that. And Maxwell's just a prick. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, you know, like, um, the compound The compound is guarded. If the Doctor tries to escape, my moon will shoot to kill. See that the Doctor knows. <laughs> you know, like, get off your high horse. You know, it's... He is like a... He reminds me of like a bouncer that's got a mm. power trip. Yeah. Somebody who thinks he, he could have been somebody who wanted to be better, but he's you know, he's 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 stuck doing is a job's worth, really, isn't he? That's what he is. Yeah. He's a job's worth. Which is something I've said to many a bouncer. Yeah, my students <laughs> argue bouncers, but I have had a couple of run-ins in my past <laughs> with bouncers. And that's usually along the lines of what I say, because yeah. there's quite a few that and I know they've got a difficult job mm-hmm. and um they're and I know, I know the, the thing to do is just, right, no, right, okay, fair enough, and walk away. But sometimes, if I'm in the right sort of frame of mind or in the wrong frame of mind, I should say, it's like, no, I'm not going to get the last word in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you end up yeah. trying to reason with them, and they're just like, no, nah, no. Nah. And it's like, you're just doing that just because you can, and you're having a power trip. It's nothing oh, to do yeah. With, but yeah. It's nothing to do with making the right decision. You're just like, oh, I don't like to look at his face or something. Yeah. And it's power trip. And I think yeah. that's what Maxwell's doing. He's like a bouncer that's got a power trip. <laughs> Gallifrey and bouncers. <laughs> <laughs> that's really what these guards are, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the doctor gets a groovy glass with the straw. Did you notice that? He gets I did not notice that, no. It's a, given a drink by Nissa, it's a green liquid, but it's got a groovy like 80s like straw that's outside of the glass. Oh, I didn't notice that. I'll have to go back and watch it. <laughs> Maxwell escorts them to the council chamber where President Brewster says that the Matrix has been invaded by a creature from the antimatter universe. Mm. And as it's trying to bond with the Doctor, they have no option but to execute him. This is where we pass uh, all the corridors, like the Gallifrey Social Club. Mm, like yeah. there's sofas, a coffee machine. Uh, there's groovy like I wonder if this is the building where there's a Gallifrey nightclub. <laughs> Quite possibly. Because this is supposed to be... As I say, the theory is that this is a security building. So this is where I'm assuming the courts are uh, and all that. And yet yeah. there's, a, there's a sofa with a coffee machine and people looking like they're in a cafe. Yeah, they're just kind of hanging about, aren't they? They're not kind <laughs> of, uh, they're not doing anything other than just sitting there and, and watching all these things going on, you know, going past them. Yes, it's interesting. I think, I think the more the more I I, I kind of think of it being a, a security building, it kind of kind of makes a little bit more sense, you know, yeah. that it's uh it's not so not so grand as what we're as what we're used to seeing. But uh, yeah, it's all it's all it's a little bit odd, isn't it? Really, all these people must be like working as judges or or clerks in the courtrooms or something mm. or. Something that, it, this must be the as you say like a courtroom and that's like the cafe in the court, yeah. Or something because it, it's like, um, and Maxwell because for the for them all to be there and it's the same building as where the, the high council meet for a meeting. Mm-hmm. It must be like <laughs> uh, I can't even think they're just any vagabonds that are just walking into the building and it's a visitor center. You know, it, yeah. They have to be um, like a town like hall or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably the best best way of looking at it, I think. <laughs> M- 
Max Hall, I loved it. When he enters, he, obviously he goes in first in the back of the commentary, Colin Baker makes a pin and says, this is the moment he's awake more, folks. And he comes in and he just majestic, comes in so camply with the hat on. And the, and the <laughs> I just thought he looked so camp. <laughs> and yeah, they want to bloody kill him. Mm. I mean, that Bruce can't do take the babble because he's trying to explain nah. it and it just like... Uh, yeah, bless him. He's not... Uh, yeah, he's not... Um... Again, he's, he's he's probably one of the weaker weaker actors in the. I think he is. Yeah, and so this is where Zorak does the, well, Doctor, damnable business. This isn't it. It's like, yeah, very polite way to put. We're going to kill you. <laughs> and I love Nissa in this scene. Mm. She is excellent in this scene where um, she she just fights for the Doctor because she loves the Doctor so much. Saying, look, it, you, we could, there must be another way, you know. You, you know, you do you know what you're saying? You're going to kill them because mm. being creatures, we should try and find the creatures, try and find what he's doing. He got the, the data from here, and the biggest thing at this point is they are not interested. They know no. there's a traitor right in that room, but they're yeah. like, oh well, you know, we don't care. Yeah. We, need to, we need to deal with the situation at the moment. We need to kill the doctor. Sorry, yeah, let's not solve the problem. Let's just uh, let's just um, kill the doctor and we'll never get to the bottom of it. And 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 yeah, I agree with um, with you uh, about Nissa there because she doesn't uh, Sarah Sutton doesn't often get a lot to do uh, kind of emotionally. Um, she's often she comes across as quite robotic, I think. Um, so it's nice to see her doing something. You know, you, you, the amount of time she picks up a gun um, oh, and uh, threatens people. And, yeah, she does, and it's just she's got she. The, yeah, I think I think it's a quite good story for Nissa. I do think it's a good story for her. What what I think uh, affected her in the eighties was that she's overpowered by Tegan and her personality mm. really, and that's what's so great about the audios is that it gives her a chance to no disrespect to Janet Fielding because as we say we love her, but yeah, her character that she plays overpowers Nissa. She's yes. always left in the background because who uh, Tegan can shout louder. Simple as yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she gets more of the attention. <clears throat> the doctor finally wakes up though, and it's like, "Do you have anything to say?" But you're just saying to a guy that you're condemning to death, <laughs> and he says, "I am a great deal to see," and he bear- bears his teeth, and it's like, "Yes, about time." Yeah, you're reacting, and mm. he obviously has that tirade on the way out. Executing me will not alter the fact there's a traitor here on Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, the fifth doctor's alive. He knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. Bit too late though, isn't it? <laughs> but Nissa Kaza, the last line she says, so much for your justice. Mm. Excellent line and excellent line. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's taken back to the TARDIS because, of course, he's been told, oh, well, you're going to die in a minute. Mm. And he even says to Maxwell, you don't have to relish this so much. Exactly, because he's fucking. I wonder if there is history between him. Maybe he looked at the doctor. I suspect he looked at the doctor's file and thought, ah, oh, there's a. You know, like he thinks he's somebody in that, and I'm going to put him in his place. That's what it yeah. feels like. It does, doesn't it? It does feel like he's got kind of a bit of a a bit of a vendetta. You know, perhaps he perhaps he kind of dreamed of being the one that would run away from Gallifrey, and uh, and he he didn't, and the Doctor did, and maybe there's a little bit of jealousy there. I don't know. The other thing, of course, is that the Doctor's going to have his face in his next incarnation. Mm. Now that whole thing that we got, obviously, in the girl who died with Peter Capaldi's Doctor sort of try to explain, you know, why he had the face then and it made sense. I think it still works here because I think, because the, doc- the fifth Doctor's a bit wet, we love mm-hmm. him, but he's a bit too calm at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, it, I, my theory is that he thought when he regenerated, 
I need a face to remind myself, I need to have a bit of more bite. And yeah. so he thought, Maxwell, he was the guy that had it. I'm going to have his face. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good theory. That's a good theory. Robin meets Colin's cousin at the airport. Oh, sorry, just before that, the doctor was handed a printout from Damon on the way back to the compound. So he managed to slip something to him. Um, so he knows now that there's a traitor. It was here by a scan mm-hmm. that was used. Robin meets Colin's cousin at the airport, and it's Tegan. Wow, what's she doing cafe. there? Yeah, how, how, what a coincidence. He takes her to a cafe <laughs> and tells her what's happened. Um, so, yeah, web of time, coincidences have merged again. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, he must have got a bit of shock because he probably told the whole story and thought, God, she's going to think I'm crazy. But unless he sort of left the best bits out, of course, she's just went, well, that's something the doctor would get up to. Who? Mm. Oh, a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, mean, it, it, I would have thought he would have been saying at this point, what, you believe me? <laughs> <laughs> Her new outfit is um, revealing. Yes. <laughs> but isn't it nice to get her out of that bloody... Oh, God, yes. That costume that she was in, because that's one, one thing that irritates me so much about 80s uh, Doctor Who, and not so much... Well, maybe maybe the previous season, not so much this season, uh, season 20... The, the the I hate them wearing costumes. I hate that. It needs to I wish they were wearing clothes, you know. Everything's a little bit too uniform and why would you wear the same clothes? I mean look at look at Turlo. You know, he's just gonna continuously wear his <laughs> school uniform for the entire time he's in the TARDIS. You know. Yeah, until he puts his shorts on in the last story and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, she's got a very revealing outfit and but her haircuts also I think they were thinking, were they, did I know that they were thinking that that could be a Tegan haircut? That Johnny Bedunner thought that maybe like every, every girl would want to have a Tegan haircut. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I've heard that as well. But I think Janet Fielding was happy, wasn't she? Because her hair in the last series had so much lacquer in it, it was falling out or something. Yeah, yeah, it's a much, it's much uh, neater, neater much kind of Yeah. So yeah, she's having a bit of a bad time. I mean, she doesn't seem to ever be happy as our Tegan. Um, no. Saying that, you know, oh, I've lost my job. I thought I would come and meet my cousin. And now this. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to the police to report his disappearance, but she's not got any confidence that that'll happen. So I like how um, Robin, though, says, we can't abandon Colin. You bloody did. You left the, the, the trapped. <laughs> you left onto it. Yeah. So they, go back to, they, they plan to go back to the crypt. Uh, Nissa and Damon visit the doctor. And uh, he's convinced there's a traitor on Gallifrey and they could lose control of the Matrix. So he's more worried about this creature could take over Gallifrey mm. and ask Damon for a new space-time element without a recall device. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the Castellan, I mean, he's so close-minded. I mean, um, of course it's a Time Lord, you fool. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's like, ask, he's talking about all the possibilities. And, uh, <laughs> just, and he wasn't going to check at all. I mean... Um, Hedden brought up, it's the wee conversation, isn't it? Where Hedden basically mm. says, you know, I'm a bit worried about what the doctor said about there being a traitor. And he's like, do you not think I would have known if there was a breach of security? And he's like, yeah. well, it's... And it's only that seed then in his mind. And he still does yeah. nothing about it because it's Max no. who goes to check and goes, wait a minute, I'm going to check the records and see if it... there is something fishy going on here. Yeah. The, the, the castle is completely, like, incompetent. It is very interesting that he's uh, that he's written like like say this in- incompetent kind of police policeman 
Um, and yet in the five doctors, he feels like a different character. Um, you know, he's not, he's not, it doesn't seem to be in that role in the five doctors. I know obviously it's a different, it's a different storyline in the five doctors, but, uh, but yeah, he doesn't seem to be. He's just a castle line. He's not like to be a policeman. <laughs> no. <laughs> Took the job away from him. <laughs> Hayden is a rightly a rogue the way. I mean, it, I mean, it's fairly obvious at this point for me that it's Hayden because mm. Hayden's the only nice one. Yeah. And so that immediately the alarm bells go, you know, well, he's the only nice one in that world, so maybe he's a traitor. Um, and he's a charmer to Nissa, like saying, because uh, she's trying to get a visit and he's saying, Oh well, Castellan, you know, I'll not like that. And mm -hmm. he says, I said difficultness of it, not impossible. Especially one with one so sensitive to public opinion as the Castellan is. <laughs> I think he's quite wasted in this role though, Michael Goff. I mean, he's such a good actor and it's mm. yeah, you just want them to have a bit more of a meaty part, really. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit kind of wishy washy really, isn't it? It's not very like you say, it's not very meaty. Um it doesn't I, I and I think I, I think he looks. I mean, the, to be fair, the Time Lord costumes always look a bit ridiculous, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't suit him. I don't think. I wonder what actually he does because I'm assuming he meets. He's meeting Omega. This projection Omega in a room, as we see. But is that his quarters? I'm assuming. And um, he's obviously got some security mm. thing on so that he's not detected. Yeah. Um, and he obviously likes pencils. Yes. Very cool-looking pencils. <laughs> <laughs> so Omega's aware that the Doctor's going to be terminated. And so that's the plan, isn't it? So that he, yeah. he's going to take him. Um, and <laughs> the Doctor just said, because the sort of the, the bell goes, like a cloister bell sort of noise to, we're going to execute you now. And mm -hmm. the Doctor just goes, so soon? What about my appeal? <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we find out about Leela. In fact, this is when Nissa and Sorry and um, Damon are talking to him. And they're like, we're going to have a plan to get you out of this. And mm. he talks about Leela and um, Leela, because it is strange in a way that Leela isn't in this, because of course she's on the planet. She's heard the doctors. She must know yeah. the doctors, you know, like being recalled. So I can only think that she's denied entry to that building, um, yeah, and can't contact them. Because I do like the idea that yeah, I, and I do like the idea that Leela is still there and she's still about and she's not forgotten about. You know, I mean, it's. It wasn't the greatest exit for the for the character um, in the Invasion of Time, but I like that she's even the, all these years later, you know, from, from Invasion of Time to Arc of Infinity, she's still being mentioned, you know, that she's she's there. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it is a shame that they they didn't get Louise Jameson to to appear. Yeah, in she this. would have elevated the story even more. Yeah, she's a fantastic actress. Yeah, Robin takes Tegan to the crypt. He's absolutely shitting it. You know, <laughs> no surprise really, because you've just seen a big giant chicken mm. thing. And he says to Tegan, I feel bad about Colin, but what if something happens to you? Because she's insistent that she goes down. Um, so they go down, and um, the doctor's led to the execution chamber, and Bruce reads out the sanction of termination. This is the clip that was on the Colin Baker's tape. Um, and the doctor's sort of, as I say, this face he gives, this fate, he's almost like, there's nothing else I can do, and he just has this you never see the doc the fifth doctor like this. He's almost just like, well, I'm, I'm stuffed. Yeah. Although mm -hmm. in the next episode we find you that he, he actually isn't because he knew that he was going to be saved. So yeah. he's kind of having. But to be fair, he's having to go through with the actually because he can't tell Nissa or them what's going to happen because, well, why doesn't he tell them? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, because it, it seems a little bit cruel that he that he didn't say anything to Nissa. Um, I don't know why he wouldn't have said anything. To be fair, I don't think they'd believe him. They'd still execute mm. him anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. But you're yeah. thinking, fight, man. You're just right. Yeah. And this, uh, I mean, why is there room, guns in the computer room walked up? She just happens. She's with Damon, looks behind her, looks at the cabinet, and, oh, there's four stasers in the cabinet. <laughs> Wonder why? And he's got a lock to open them. It's like, why does he need a gun? Yeah, I suppose if it is a security building, but I mean, then we 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 don't know, do we? We don't know if it's you know the kind of town hall building or if it's if it is a security building. Um, and I suppose they would have weapons, uh, around, but you know, he's stuck in that cabinet in that room. It's almost like if somebody broke in, like in the first episode, that yeah. guy never had a Caesar because he hadn't taken his one out the out the cabinet. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, weird. And nobody sees her with a gun, so she takes the gun out, and you even see her, like, she goes in the corridor, people are chatting, and she's like, she's trying to be active. But folk must have seen her with a gun. <laughs> nobody sees her with a gun. She goes in and, of course, has this brilliant scene where she's um, trying to get them to stop. And Ted, in again, sort of reveals himself as the traitor, because he's the only one, as we find out, that didn't agree to the execution. So again, the alarm bell is, oh, he's the nice one. Yeah. Um, you cannot escape, girl. <laughs> the Castellan loves just calling her girl a lot in this story. <laughs> yeah, Maxwell's uh, <laughs> feather hat. Oh, um, <laughs> this is obviously Galfrey's a because obviously in the courtrooms here we have the judges that with the funny hats on and all the rest mm. of it, which goes back yeah. hundreds of years. I can only imagine that this is the same on Galfrey because the guard captain has to wear this feather. Yeah, you would have to think. Yeah, yeah, I sus I suspect it's something similar, <laughs> but it's well, uh, unfortunately it's... it doesn't. She she has to. The doctor says, "Look, I'll not have any blood spilled. Put the gun down." And the doctor says, "Right, make Denny Punisher for that." And Bruce has quite a bit of a get really, and just goes, "Well, for your sake, we we will think about it or something." Yeah, like, thanks. <laughs> um, but then. He apparently gets executed, and it flares, and everyone seals their eyes, but Nissa doesn't, and she sees this. What we're well, it looks like she sees it. We mm. see the outline of Omega for a split second before they both disappear. So Nissa saw that effect, but yet she never mentions it in the next episode. No, she never mentions it. She never mentions it to anyone, to Damon or anyone. Well, I know he's dead, but I don't know what that face was that I saw in the in the execution thing. There was a face before him. But yeah, you would have think. She, you would have thought episode. she would have said something, uh, you know, yeah. about about seeing that, you know, something unusual happening, or you know, or or even just to have that little bit of hope that oh, maybe he is not yeah. dead, you know. She even reacts to it. I mean, you see it, and then she 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 has a frown in her face. You have to say, I don't understand what I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. She never mentions it, and when she's told, it, and then she cries at the end, and he's dead, and she's all upset, saying in the next episode. Do you know what you've done? So it's almost like she's forgotten that this little bit of hope. Um, but Nissa's face at the end of the episode when Sarah Sutton turns to the camera and she's just tears coming down her eyes. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it just just be being able to for her to be able to show some emotion for once again. It's just 
it's nice it's nice we don't see it enough with the 80s companions they're either moaning or complaining or yeah yeah Part three, the doctor isn't dead. Woo! Um, his mind is in the matrix while his body's still in the chamber, shielded by an energy band. Yes, the, which I don't quite understand. Uh, that I mean, I can, it almost seems like a throwaway. You know, he's he's still there. He's shielded. <laughs> huh? Okay. What's funny about this is that the the guards in the castle are going on a wild goose chase. He must be in the the citadel somewhere. He must be. And the one place they didn't look or think about is. Maybe it's actually where he's been standing the whole time. <laughs> Maybe we should have a check of the actual uh, chamber and see whether there's anything in it. <laughs> and even and it takes to Maxwell checking the thing, and it's like the termination wasn't completed. He then even still says, "We'll have to search the citadel." You know, like he must be somewhere. It's like if the termination wasn't completed, he might still be there. Yeah, in exactly the place where you left him. So <laughs> he's just a buffoon. Um, Damon's fitting the TARDIS with a new element while Nyssa returns absolutely distraught and uh, Bruce though turns to the Matrix and says the Matrix is clear but it's not is it? Because isn't Omar Gwee been floating about in there? Yeah. Or is he only floating in there after the Doctor goes in? Does he only visit it after the Doctor goes in I think? Aye because we don't see him before that do we? No I don't think we do no. So he's taken control of a Time Lord to get in to the Matrix, sort of. I think so, yeah. And the Doctor is floating like a giraffe. Yes. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of shots of this. They were not uh, very pleasant to him or Janet Fielding. Um, I think they say no. that she looks like she's on a bar stool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just shaking about. <laughs> and somewhere, somewhere, Clara is watching the Fifth Doctor. Of course she is, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, she's there yet. Yeah. I hope you know what you've done. I mean, that <laughs> line from this one, then she exits the room is heartbreaking. And they're yeah. just a bunch of horrible gits. I mean, they just sort of. Flavia is the only. Falia is in this one, sorry. Mm. Um, that's the reason why she's not in the Five Doctors, because it's a different chat. It's a cha- different chance. Different, different one, yeah, yeah. Um, She has a look off a bit of. Oh, I'm so sorry. But the others are just. Oh, right. Mm. Um, yeah, Maxwell knows how to check the records. This is the guard captain, yeah. He's able to go into the computer room and access the records of the execution. Hmm. I thought, hmm, he's got a bit of a cross skill there. Yeah. Yeah, he has that he has, hasn't he? I wonder if it was ever thought that Maxwell would be the uh would be the traitor. Would be the one helping Omega. I wonder he would if they... be probably too obvious. Yeah. To yeah, what they should have done is just, I mean, most of them are absolute gits anyway, but they probably should have made ev- ev- absolutely every single character a, a, a bit of a git and then, you know, kind of makes it a little bit harder to figure out which one it would be. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah. I thought Damon was quite harsh to Nyssa because he says to her, no sense brooding on it. I mean, he's just died. <laughs> I mean, that, and that's his friend as well. I mean, if you're not allowed to brood about your friend, your best friend being being yeah, murdered, I mean, then when I can mean, you brood? I mean, our time wars just di- wired differently in terms of grief. I mean, we've seen the Doctor obviously like cry over companions leaving and so on in the series, but yeah, mm-hmm. it just seems like time lords are just emotionless 
Bastards, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's dead. All right. Okay, what's next on the agenda? That's what it seems like is <laughs> happening here. It's just... Yeah. Yeah, I just didn't understand that. I thought, a bit cold. No wonder um, he left. <laughs> Tegan and Robin go to the crypt and are blasted by the creature. They are in a TARDIS where the creature detects that Tegan knows the Doctor. Um, yeah, Tobin, Robin's torch isn't on. He goes into the, the crypt <laughs> and it isn't on. Um, I caught that from the commentary. I'm not for that one. Um, and Tegan um, screams at uh, the Ergen. The, the harsh lighting in the TARDIS doesn't do any favours, I don't think. No. Um, yeah. Yeah, again, it's uh, it's the it's the, the classic turn the lights up, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it, yeah. The thing um, I was, I've got a question for you. Is Ergen... Is the Ergen better, though, than the Three Doctors' Nightmare? So both of them have sort of been created from Omega's mind. Um, how we had the guy in the Three Doctors that was like, the dark mm. side of my mind, that... that yeah, the, the, sort of the champion thing. Champion yeah. wrestler um, sort of guy. I, no, I think I think that I think the 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 uh, the champion um, wrestling guy is better. I think it's quite uh, okay. It's not perfect, but I think it, there's something quite sinister about about that. You know, um, it, much much more much more scary than the Ergon. Um, yeah. yeah, the Ergon just carries a gun, and yeah, yeah. But he does manage to read minds. He puts the hand on Tegan's head and, mm. oh, so you know the Doctor, do you? What a coincidence. Mm. <laughs> How handy. <laughs> and um, Omega, there's a shot where Omega's face comes into view, so you see him floating about and then just suddenly he comes in, the whole face comes in, and that's a mm. great shot where mm. Omega's face comes into view. But I'm sorry, it looks like Tegan's having an orgasm in the matrix. <laughs> Does doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, it is what is going on? Um, it, um, sat on a sat on a washing machine. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think Peter Davison says that he doesn't know what he was doing. It's almost like he's lying on a on a board bed. He's mm. it's, it's, it's moving. It's weird. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a strange. It's a strange. Uh, it's a strange effect. Did they? Did they? Uh, did they update that effect for the for the for the DVD uh, for the for the special oh, effects? I, I don't know. I think I've only ever seen the new effects <clears throat> the DVD once, and I honestly can't remember any of them. Mm, no, I, I think uh, I can't remember if they did because, like like I said earlier on, I tried to I tried to rewatch it with the with the effects just to see, and I only got a little bit into it. And I just thought, you know, I don't, I don't like these effects, so I'm not going to bother. So I can't remember if they, if they, if they kind of jazzed them up or not, or if they, if they altered any of them, I'm not sure. The Castellans interrogating this one, Damon, as he found out the termination wasn't completed, thanks to Maxwell. Hmm. Um, the girl! <laughs> 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 yeah, you transmitted the Doctor's bioscan, didn't you? But um, Faustine Nissa says, it's a pity you weren't so concerned when the doc was alive. Don't play games with me, girl. The doctor's alive and you know it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we find out that Hedden must have got the president's code because mm. the bio, the, all the evidence is saying that the president stopped the execution, done the, the bonding thing. But I find that Gallifreyan law, you know, you just see the president's code and that's enough to convict him. Yeah, yeah, it's you a know, little bit. That's um... like somebody logging into my computer 
and doing something, then I get the the blame for you know like anything. It's like, yeah, have they not heard of uh, identity fraud on Gallifrey? <laughs> <laughs> Quite clearly not. Yeah, it's a little bit um, they're a little bit too too uh, swift to um to cast blame on people, aren't they? I think. The Time Lord tells Omega that they have aroused suspicion, so they release the Doctor because um, Omega thinks that he can persuade the Doctor not to interfere because he's got Tegan. But he says to him, your only hope now is for a swift transfer. So I was trying to think, what does that mean? So he's, <clears throat> I'm assuming he's meaning that machine because we find out that that machine's doing something like that. That level goes up, doesn't it, for him to mm. do the bonding. Yeah. So it's like, it's always saying basically, right, you have to do that quick because they're, they're, the net is closing, almost. That's the way I took it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think you're right. Um, that's the, that's the impression I got from it as well. Um, that it's, uh, and that he's going to make it a swift transfer for him. Um, yeah, that's that's what I got from it too. Doctor, please, <laughs> and shaking about Tegan, just shakes about. Um, <laughs> The Doctor's now back in Gallifrey and the Castellan informs Zorak and Thalia that the Doctor was helped to evade termination by the President. To what end? Says <laughs> Thalia. Exactly. But the Castellan says that his theory is that uh, whoever has, it, has control of the Ark Infinity and if it's brought to Gallifrey then it's unimaginable power. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think Zorak though sums it quite up with another beauty of a line from him. What the devil's going on, Castellan? Dad's trashing about in a madhouse out there. <laughs> He's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, I love him. <laughs> oh, wow. They should have brought him I'd back for the five doctors. Honestly say, I'd never noticed his character whatsoever until I watched it the other day. Yeah. The first time I'd ever picked up on him and I thought, this guy's got some absolute classic lines. <laughs> <laughs> He's fantastic. And the doctor enters the computer room and they go, how on earth did you get in? Pure luck. <laughs> lovely woman. <laughs> and this it's lovely to see Nissa very happy to hear about Tegan. Because um, he says she, he's got Tegan. Mm. Um, and this is where Damon tells the Doctor a fusion booster was recently transported to Earth by order of the President, they think. Mm. Mm-hmm. So they think, well, we're going to have to see the President then and find out what he's doing, why, why he's done it. Unfortunately, though, it's not the President, is it? Because we find out it's heading. It's heading. Surprise, surprise. Never would have guessed. In a million years, it would have been heading. No, I, I would never have guessed whatsoever. And um, he has got the president at gunpoint and is wanting them to turn the matrix over time, turn off the the main control to it. Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean, the guards are just so bad. I mean, the guards just start walking. I mean, Maxwell gets a thing on his thing, you know, come on, he's, yeah. he's not the president, let's go, let's find them. And um, there's one of the guards that actually just shrugs. I know, just goes, oh, right, just go on in. Um, and there's brilliant Gareth playing art in the corridors. Yeah. Very art deco out uh, when the guards are running. Behind them, there's an art deco sort of... Yeah, culture. it's quite interesting, isn't it? It's, I mean, they've tried, haven't they? They've tried to do something with it, but it's uh, it doesn't it doesn't really work. But getting back to the guards, I mean the guards. I think the guards have always been a bit um, ineffectual on the on Gallifrey. Um, you know, I mean, I, I always remember the guy in uh, 
in the invasion of the time when he brings the keys uh for the tardis oh he's like, yes, yes commander i've brought the keys and it's just like you know you just <laughs> they're just so yeah they're just so crap crap yeah <laughs> so the castellan is going to shoot the president because he he comes in and he's like well done Hayden. you know you've got it it's the president and he's like you no, you've got it wrong <laughs> they're, they're both saying it's Hayden's your traitor Hayden gets in the way because he's going to shoot the doctor uh, sorry shoot the president and um Hayden gets in the way and then we find out just before he he got killed though that no 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 it's somebody that we know is in charge of the matrix it's omega and my first reaction, I think, would have been in 1983, perhaps, who the feck is Omega? Yeah. Because it's been 10 years since we've seen him. Mm. And I've got a feeling that quite a lot of the audience wouldn't have known who Omega was. No. I don't think they would have done. Um, certainly not. Maybe the fans would have done, but um, definitely not the general public. He's not It's not like he's, uh, he's not the master, he's not the Daleks, he's not even Davros, you know. So... Yeah, I just, I just, I, I just thought... What if people at home would have been going, who? Mm. <laughs> Who's that? Yeah. Because <laughs> he's not recognisable, as you say, like a Davros, or uh, it literally would be, who is he? Yeah. And he's, you know, he's in a, even if, even if he was recognisable from his previous appearance, he's in a completely different costume as well. So it's not yes. like it's, you know, it's not like it's a big reveal that, you know, he's not visually the same either. You know, it doesn't not even doesn't even sound the same. It's a different actor. You know, I love I love Peter Davison's delivery though of like they find out it's Omega and he goes, but Omega died. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like yes, if you knew what happened in our story ten years ago, yeah. um, yeah, I've got a feeling. I mean, we were talking earlier about obviously, like this has been made for fans probably more. So probably a lot of the audience did know who he was, I, I suppose. But I suspect mm. there was folk watching this and going, "Who are they talking about?" And I know we get a bit of background. He was the guy who made the stuff, but it, it's very little one yeah. two lines. And then suddenly, it's oh my god, oh my god, we're in trouble. Yeah, like, who is he? <laughs> it's not. It's not exciting, is it? It's not. It, there's nothing there that's 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 grabbing. The general public, I don't think, you know. And Omega controls the Matrix, Jim. He does. So did Hayden put that control off then? I'm assuming he must have. Uh, he must have done, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's done something. He's controlling the Matrix. We're going to the super last part, um, which is arguably, I think it's the best part because we get mm. Amsterdam, we get lots of location following. Um, yeah. The doctor enters the Matrix to speak to Omega and asks to speak to Tegan. And she says that she's in Amsterdam and GHC before Omega cuts her off. Mm. <laughs> then Bruce goes to Omega, but you're anti-matter. <laughs> and when he comes out, um, this is like, um, yeah, yeah, because Tegan, an airwoman, was in there, you know, and the doctor, we know, we know where she is. Would she know her precise location? <laughs> um. Yes, I think she would know yeah. where she is, uh, um, uh, Bruce. Um, and, and and I love that when she's when she's in the Matrix and Omega's basically saying, "Don't tell him." And, and she's like, she says a bit more, and he's like, "I'll kill you." And she says a bit more, and it's like, just kill her. Don't warn her time and time again. That's when she goes, Amsterdam. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I'm really going to kill you this time. <laughs> Oh, oh dear. 
Oh, hilarious. Okay. <laughs> um, a pulse loop, then. They're going to a use pulse the... loop, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fifth doctor then start, he, start, he starts showing that this, even though he wasn't bothered about being executed earlier, he's like, quickly, or something. He's quite angry with her. It's like, yeah. Damn, I, I like, I, that's one thing I love, though, about the, the Peter Davison's doctor is he has this, he's quite a plastic character, but every now mm. and then, he, he gets very frustrated and he just lashes out. Like yeah. one of them, he he, um, he does it a lot in the Fort of Doomsday, where he's like, you know, like, you're disturbing my concentration. And yeah. He just yeah. comes up because he gets very frustrated and he's quite funny when he gets frustrated and lashes out. Yeah, um, it's, it's 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 much more interesting when that happens as well, I think, because it's it, because like you say, he's a placid character, so it's it's more surprising when he when he suddenly jumps at people, yeah. you know. Talia is dressed like her character in the Black Adder, I think, with, with this, mm-hmm. this very Elizabethan yeah. costume. And uh, Peter Davison, I like how he hits the console. Like, that's the thing he always did. You know, like the yeah. TARDIS is not going and he hits the console for it to go and he makes a look to this as if to say, all right, well, we got away. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he says, they go to Amsterdam because he knows that Tegan's in Amsterdam. And he actually says, I don't believe it. No wonder, because it took you a season and a half to get to Heathrow, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they got a very late. So they know that Omega is like going to transfer to our universe, so they have to stop him. So yeah. time is of the essence, because if this guy gets fully transferred, I'm assuming what he's going to do is go to Gallifrey and take over and cause absolute mayhem, because mm-hmm. he wants revenge. But um, so they're they're by the clock, yeah. They're just walking along and going into a phone book and saying, right, um, well, she said GHC, VHC, uh, like money, <laughs> and it's very leisurely. It's always like, yeah. And in fact, why is he not using a bloody bike? Yeah, yeah. They, why they're they running run everywhere? The, they got they run across the whole <laughs> Amsterdam in this episode. And it's like this is the city of the bikes. Um, you could have just got a bike dog and. Got there in half the time, and and how fun would that have been to have had a bike chase yes. instead? Uh, Doctor and Nissa and Tegan biking, chasing Omega on a bike. Yeah, like the one in Shadow that we never saw. Well, yeah. we do still, but it wasn't transmitted with the the, the globe following them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I do like the um, how, so Omega's transferring, and the, what's happening here is that like I can I'm only assuming that his costume that he's wearing is like a protector sort of. Mm. costume like almost like the one like the mask he was wearing in the three doctors yeah but while he's transferring he goes all gloopy and basically his guns coming out <laughs> yeah yeah it's really effective that is and his head seems to be shrinking mm. <laughs> the ear seems to be going out his head yeah um <laughs> the doctor the doctor trips up a woman <laughs> That is so funny. They're just walking along and he bumps at the woman. He's like, oh, so sorry. Oh, oh yes. But then later on, when they're in a real hurry, uh, they, they they knock over a guy and he doesn't say, I'm sorry to him. He just goes, you'll be all right. Come on. Yeah, because they, 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 they try and, doesn't this try and help the, the person put the, yes. the shopping back in? And then she just knocks it over again as they run away. Yes. <laughs> but this bit is is so lovely. They'll just seen, you see a lot of Amsterdam and, mm. and the, the scenery and everything. And, the doctor and this are about to, they've been going at the hostels and then they managed to go to the hostel where uh, Robin was. Yeah. And the man on duty doesn't rem- remembers that there was an Australian in the previous day and is like, one moment, please. Uh, I'll hmm. go to the... And he gets a note saying Frankendal 
Um, mm. And they go to Frankenville. And I thought, Nissa, of all the things to scream at, you've not screamed at the master having the face of your dad. You've not screamed at a pterorectal. You've not screamed at, um, you know... Monarch. Cybermen. It's Cybermen. Yeah. But as soon as the Ergen comes out the TARDIS store, she screams like a banshee. Yeah. It. It's like... Yeah. Of all the things... Are you kidding it's... me? It's not needed, is it? It's just it's just a scream for a scream's sake, you know. There's it's it doesn't need to be there. And he gets shot by Nissa. So does that mean he goes back into the TARDIS? I don't know. Because it's... that or has she changed the setting and to stunt it? She's killing it. Because later on, of course, he uses the gun to kill Omega. So there must be another setting on the gun to yeah. complete banishment or killing or to <laughs> Yeah, there's got to be. There's got to be. Doctor interferes, of course, and explodes the fusion booster. Mm-hmm. But Omega's already transferred, he thinks, um, and removes his head, and he's got the face and body of the Doctor. Mm. But the Doctor says, of course, that it's because I've moved, I've shut off that booster, it'll not, it'll decay, it'll not work. Um, so if that booster wasn't destroyed... Does that mean that booster would have had to stay there forever for Omega to stay in our dimension? Because... I suspect... Or is it because the arc's there and he's fully transferred? It's, he's all right. I am not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and this I'm is... Sorry, this I'm is the, pro- the, this is the problem with the story, I think. It's so... There's so many... There's so many questions that you have to ask about the story, about the plot, about the plot that, you know, and I think this is, again, it's, you know, just get, when you're a kid, it just goes over your head and you just sit and watch it and yeah. you enjoy it for what it is. You don't think about, you don't think about it. And it's, you know, only when you're an adult that you start actually trying to figure these things out. And sometimes they just don't hold together. Yeah, because the doctor says, like, he destroys the thing and says, look, the arc's shifting. Go now, but mm. he's like, never. I've got all the energy I need, and he's yeah. fully transferred. So, so yeah, I think it's yeah possibly that the the booster would have to remain. I think <laughs> if the gardener comes in, he's stuffed. <laughs> um, yeah, but Gallifrey um, would send a hit squad after him, surely, you think or, so. or stop the target. Yeah. I, I, I'd love to come what his plan would have been, you know, if he's yeah. um because he wouldn't have said on Gallifrey he would have been shot or something, they would stop him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's so brilliant this bit. So Omega uh, says, I'll see you on Gallifrey soon. Expect mm-hmm. me on Gallifrey soon. Goes off. Um this is the last we see of Colin and Robin because of course Robin is uh, still recovering from having been taken over by the Ergen. Yeah. Omega. Mm-hmm. And may never see what happens to the two. I don't know whether no. they got their passport and go home. But no. Don't think Tegan mentions them at the end. But no. in the meantime, Omega goes off and kills a gardener, takes his suit, mm-hmm. and um, we have this bit where he's, it's what Johnny Byrne was getting at, enjoying life. He goes to see this little display in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and the little boy comes in. Now, I don't think you could get away with it now, as Peter Davison <laughs> says in the commentary, where he just looks so creepy at him. Yeah. But it's the bit after it where he just smiles because he's watching, the, and it's almost like, oh, yeah. my God, I can feel again. I can, I can, I'm, 
it that's... is quite a nice it's a quite a quite a nice little scene that is it um it was one it, you know it's it's always uh, stayed with me that scene um you know kind of showing you this kind of more of a human side to him um you know he's not he's not all bad that there might be some good there and i think it makes him a, a much more sympathetic character um you know that that just in that one that one look that he gives, yeah. you know, you know, like you say, he's experiencing the, the world. Krispies. Yes, <laughs> the rice crispy start to appear, um, and there's the chase around Amsterdam. I liked how the dog didn't like him. There's a bit where where he's, <laughs> he's trapped in an alleyway, and the dog just barks at him, and the woman just sort of goes, "Come on, dog!" <laughs> doesn't go. There's a guy with green, and the locals are just like the locals in Amsterdam are probably were doing. This guy seen a guy running about with green on his face and thinking. What the hell is going on? <laughs> um, and at one point they say we've lost them. It's like there's thousands of places he could have hid. He's, he's, there's, there's all these alleyways and everything, and he could be behind a car or anything. We've mm-hmm. lost them. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, they have this strange decision to exchange from going from Peter Davison having the rice krispies on his face to suddenly mm. Ian Collier having the rice yeah. krispies on his face. Rather than having Peter Davison and then dubbing the voice at the end, which is interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's very strange, and I don't. I think uh, you, you can you can see where the change is, and I think I don't even think he's got the same colour hair. I think it's a slightly different shade of of blonde uh, when he becomes Ian Collier. Um, so I don't I don't know why they didn't stick with. Yeah, I mean Peter Davison. Maybe Ian Collier's face is what Omega Space should look like in our universe without. Uh, bonding. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Just happens to look like Peter Davison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he puts his he puts his hands on a car at one point, and they obviously didn't have car alarms back then, or in Amsterdam, because the car alarm doesn't go off. He's he's yeah. literally like rattling the <laughs> And um, God, they must all be fit because they run across Amsterdam, and none of them gets a stitch. No, no, they're uh, yeah, it's uh. They must have been knackered after running like that. Bloody hell. Yes. <laughs> and um, he gives Omega an ultimatum, like, go now yourself or I'm going to have to kill you. And mm-hmm. he kills him. Yeah. He actually kills him. Um, yeah. And Gallifrey know all as well and just go, oh, well, hope he, hope he found peace. And that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I was thinking the Doctor must have the new space-time element in his TARDIS. So he must not have put in... He must have still put in a recall circuit because he gets recalled later on. He gets recalled in Trial of a Time Lord or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, he never mm. gave him a, a circuit with a re- without a recall circuit. No. <laughs> that was... No, bit... that's an interesting... Yeah. With Omega defeated and calling on the mend, Tegan tells the Doctor and Nissa that she can resume her travels with the Doctor because she lost her job. Her cousin will need therapy, won't he? <laughs> he just buggers off. Leaves her cousin there in Amsterdam. I mean, he's just been terrorised by a, by a chicken and Omega yeah. and, and, and being a zombie and surely he's off in hospital or something and she's just like, yeah. no, I'm, I can go away now. Let's go. And yeah. his face at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's... Um... That's as much Peter Davison's uh, reaction that, um, as it is the Fifth Doctor's reaction. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And she goes off to sneak dance to 
meet the Mara again, and that's a mm-hmm. story for another time. Yeah, 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 brilliant. Yeah, she just abandons her cousin. Ah, she uh, just leaves him. It's 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 interesting though, isn't it? Because they're just thinking about it now. So we've seen so we've seen Tegan's aunt Vanessa. We've seen her cousin. Do we see her? Is it her uncle in the Awakening? Yes, her uncle. Yes, yeah. Uncle Vernon. Oh, yeah. Bernie. Yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting that we you know it doesn't happen very often in classic Who where we where we meet family members of you know not that any of them seem seem interconnected with each other but um, I wonder what yeah. the cover story was for Aunt Vanessa. I mean, her cousin does they obviously say what happened? To, what, it might have been his mum. Yeah, it could have been his mum. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like I, I'm assuming they'd done a cover up and said like she was she's gone missing or something because I'm assuming they never showed the, showed them the boat the little doll off her. And no. said, by the way, there's your mum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though. It's interesting. At least they try to and I say they try they try to build build something with Tegan, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's just um if it's just uh, just throwing in random family members. There's no I don't think there's any there's there's any plan or any and it connectivity. Happens over such a short period of time as well. Mm. I mean, she must have only been in the TARDIS like a week or two. Mm. And all the adventures in season nineteen, and all these things happen there. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't know how long the gap is here. I mean, I, I suspect it's what a couple of months. Or, um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> and and was the plan? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but was the plan always to bring Tegan back, or was it, or yeah. was it that she was? So she was always gonna. It was always gonna yeah, be like T- a fake leaving. Yeah, Joint GNT always wanted, always planned for it to come back. Always right, had it. I think okay. Janet Fielding said that as well. So they must have it just arranged that. Yeah. As yeah. a cliffhanger just... to the season or something. Oh, it's, she's not it's... with us anymore. And then Yeah, she's oh, back. She <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 a it's an interesting, it's a it's a different way of doing it. I quite I do quite like that actually. You know, having to leave and, and come back straight away. Yeah. One of the things about this story was uh Bob Baker and Dave Martin didn't like the portrayal of Omega in this story. Um, G&T deliberately wanted his appearance changed to keep his reveal a secret. But as I say, I don't think that's quite successful because no. you're really still asking who is Omega. Yeah, and I think as well, the, the original Omega, um, whether you prefer Ian Collier's performance or Stephen Thorne's performance, I prefer the... I prefer the costume from the three Doctors. I think it's quite got so, quite a... It's, it's, it looks really good. I love that mask. Originally, the Castellan wanted a firing squad to kill the Doctor, with Zorak suggesting a humane drug to prevent <laughs> suffering. Barusa then agreed it would be in- it should be instantaneous, prompting the Castellan to say, well, we've got the disintegrating chamber um, still operative, but it's not active. So they were actually going to have dialogue about having a firing squad. <laughs> there was also dialogue between Damon and Nyssa, saying that the Castellan hated that the Doctor became a choice to become president, so that's where his prejudice comes from. That he just he doesn't like the fact that he was in the frame to become president. Mm. And um, before the doctor left for Amsterdam, the Castellan apologised to him for allowing his personal feelings to influence his judgment, and saying that he was going to hand in his seals of office. The doctor then smiled and said he didn't think this was necessary. Okay, which would have been, I think, a nice moment. Yeah, um, yeah. The thing. Although in the five doctors, of course, suddenly. Um, he goes, the Doctor wants revenge. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Ergen was willed back to life originally to attack the Doctor and Nissa after it had attacked them. So I'm not quite sure 
whether mm. he would, that meant they were just going to shoot them and he would go on the ground and, oh, he's dead. And then, mm. oh my God, we'd bring him back or suddenly he would appear again. Yeah. Because, um, of course, the Ergen is like that wrestler guy, the wrestler guy, and the three doctors <laughs> like, have yeah. probed with his mind or something. I've just had a, I've just had an awful thought though of and thank God they didn't do it. The Ergon running around Amsterdam. Oh God, God, God. On location. That head would have fell off immediately. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're chasing the Omega. The Ergon's chasing them like some kind of Doctor Who version of Benny Hill. Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know what the locals would have made of that. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I read this. I was shocked with this. Some of the other actors that were considered for some of the parts, right? Pierce Brosnan was considered for Maxwell. Oh, wow. Which would be something. Daniel Hull for Damon. So um, Chris Parsons from Shadow was mm. going to be a thing for Damon. Peter okay. Cushion for Barusa. Oh. That would have been a coup. Yeah. yeah. And Honor Blackman for Thalia. Hmm. Now, I'm glad that she never got it because she's she has a much better camper part later on as a uh, Professor Lasky. She does. And, much, much better. Oh, absolutely. And, and Thalia is not a really that interesting role. There's not much to it, oh. is there? It would have been a bit bit of a waste, I think. Uh, there was two, a couple of deleted scenes. Uh, Bruce asking the Doctor to trust them. Really? <laughs> and uh, the Castellan offering to resign, but it's turned down. Now, that's on the DVD mm. um, where he, yeah, he says, right, well, I'm going to resign, Lord President. And he says, well, you ain't. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Final thoughts on the Ark of Infinity. Okay, so um okay, let's have a little think about this one. So it's not the greatest story in the world. It's not. I think we've um we you posted on on Twitter with um and we got some opinions come through uh from, yeah, from we'll a lot of people <laughs> and I was I, I've I've always been I've always thought it's a, it's not a very loved story um but it's actually really not loved and I was really surprised at the the kind of um the hatred towards it um for me um it's a story that I feel it's a story of like I said before it's a story of two halves um i've um i love the amsterdam stuff even the you know the studio stuff in the crypt i like all that i i don't i'm not keen on the um the stuff on gallifrey at all i think it's really dull and every time i think about this story i always imagine that the gallifrey stuff is like wrapped up in the first episode for some reason i don't know why um but it feels like it should be wrapped up in the first episode it feels like they waste so much time fannying about running up and down corridors and and it's just so dull it's so dull um so it is a it is a it's a story that i always want to try and like because because there are elements in it that i do enjoy okay mm -hmm. um i i think it's quite an average story really it's a story that and i hate to say it but i'm liking it less and less each time i see it so as I say, back in the day, I, I thought it was one of my guilty pleasures. But what I've found, I, I can't remember the last time I saw it before doing it for this, but I'm noticing it every time I watch now, I like it less and less. Um, I think that Colin Baker, though, is so watchable. Mm. I mean, he, is, he lifts everything. Um, and he's so watchable. Um, the Amsterdam stuff is really good, um, but the Gallifrey stuff, she says, is pretty dull. Um, and, uh, but the saving grace for me this time on watching it, of course, was... Uh, 
Cardinal Zorak, who I thought was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Had some cracking lines. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's pretty average, really. I think I think I think that's I think you've summed it up quite well. It's a it's a an average story which has got some good elements in it, but it just doesn't hold together well. You know, uh, Zorak, yeah. Maxil, the Amsterdam stuff, and and I do I do like Ian Collier's performance as, as Omega as well. You know, I think I think that's quite a it's quite a good good performance. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's just not it's not a, it's not a great story. I'm not sure how I feel about Ian Collier's performance. Actually, I just pref- I prefer um, Stephen Fawn's powerful. Oh. So, I mean, it's yeah, it's been accused Ian Fawn of being like very one note, and he's just a ranting villain. And even Johnny Byrne thought that, but I don't know. I just really like him. In that oh story. yeah, God, yeah. Stephen 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 Thorne is is my favourite Omega um, out, out of the two. You know, and, and he's just he's it's it's that voice, it's that mask, it's the you know the whole. He's just such a big character, and I think Doctor Who needs big characters like that sometimes. But I, 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 as a second best, I think um, Ian Collier's uh, performance is pretty is pretty good. It's just not the best. Stick out moment. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I, I've. I think it's probably the chase sequences in in Amsterdam. I think um, either that or or the moment I spoke about before, where um, where Robin is trying to get out of the crypt because I was I found I found myself quite uh, spooked out by that. You know, thinking, "Oh my god, yeah, this is quite," you know, it's quite I'm, a. Uh... I'm glad you said that. You didn't say, you know, like. You at least take your boots off. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But yeah, probably the chase sequences in in Amsterdam and this kind of yeah, I like the the whole uh, the, the fact that he's Omega's not not a complete bad guy. You know, I like that kind of that that comes across in the story quite well. For me, I think it's the cliffhanger to part two. I think Sarah Sutton just has that great moment. Mm. Um, are pleading for the doctor's life, and then he says not, and she has obviously to say that last moment where she just turns to the camera and the tears are streaming down her eyes. I just think that's a really powerful moment for Nissa. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Jim, before we wrap it up, and I'm, I'm aware of the time, and I, I know we oh, both well, well. get to bed sometime uh, <laughs> this century, but um, yes, shall we go over what everyone else thinks of this story? Yeah, I so, think we should. So we went out to Twitter and asked uh, the lovely people on Twitter what they thought of the story. Um, and I got quite a few replies. Did you get any? Uh, yes. That you shared it? Did you get a couple? Uh, yeah, I think we've got... Um, let's have a look. Let's find it, shall we? I think we've got quite a few responses to to yours and to mine and mix, uh, mixed in here. So let me find the original... Well, I've got um. Well, we go back in and forth. We do that. Yeah, yeah, we can do. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, um, the first reply I had was from our dear friend Pete Lambert, who said uh, the music is so harsh and repetitive, it sets my teeth on edge as so much that I can't enjoy the story. Hmm. And I totally agree with that. That the music is very harsh and can yeah. 
take away. I think if it had a much more subtle score, it would certainly be more palatable. Um, yeah. Dan Hollinsworth, um, best avoid all the strange backpackers sleeping in a crypt or whatever <laughs> it was, subtext. There might actually not be subtext at all. <laughs> Such an odd story. <laughs> I was getting is obviously like, are they a couple? Are they no? What's happening mm. there? These two backpackers going into a crypt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, dear Lucy McCall, um, who is... This is her error, the Peter Davison error, her doctor. I like it, she says, but then I would, because this is my error. Yeah. I'd have to... I, I, yeah, and and you know what? I uh, for, for as much as I don't like this... I don't like this story. I do like it. But as for as much as we've kind of um, laughed about it and kind of discussed the negative aspects of it, the the eighties, the especially the fifth doctor era, it, it's one of it is one of my favourites, uh, favourite eras as as a whole. So yeah, I would I would I would agree with Lucy there. It's a, you know it was Yeah, I mean the Peter Davison ones were the ones uh, they would always seem to be the ones that were on VHS. So when I was collecting VHSs mm. it was all the Peter Davisons. So yeah, I like Peter's doctor. I, yeah. I just think there's a couple of stories in his era that are better than others, but that's the yeah. same for every era. But yeah, this one yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not terrible, but I just yeah, I've already said what could have been better. So. Could have been better. <laughs> um, Jason Muller um, said, "My first story, I find it charming, even if there are better Davisons." Hmm. Can't disagree with that. It has got charming moments, and I agree. Yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah. You found the. Um, I've got or? I've got uh, one. Um, okay. But I may find some through the retweet. I don't know. I've got um, right. so uh, Charlie Francis says uh, it's a shame to admit, but as a six-year-old, I was scared when um, the Ergon turned up in the crypt and zapped Tegan's hot cousin. <laughs> you know what? I I totally sympathise with him because I was six-year-old and I got I was scared to the girls in Curse of Fenric with the nails. Oh and God! I look back yeah. at that now, and I'm embarrassed. So I totally feel. Oh totally God, feel... no! Don't be embarrassed about that, Dave. I, I I was watching Curse of Fenric the other day, and it's one of one of my earliest Doctor Who memories. That is the the girls coming through the the curtain and yeah. uh, and threatening Miss Hardacre, well, killing Miss Hardacre. Oh God, yeah, that, that freaked me out the other week when I rewatched it. It's scary, but when you look at it back now, I think when you see the two girls doing, you know, having their wee laugh, and that, and you're thinking, I was scared that they too. Yeah. <laughs> Like when there's guys like with glowing eyes and everybody kicking about and I think of all the things to be Yeah. But I totally weigh you because at the time they were fucking terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely. Um I don't know so I don't know if this is this is on yours or if it's on if it's on mine, but you because you retweeted your Oh, okay. Right. Original. So I don't know if some of these are, are commenting on on yours or my retweet. I'm not sure. So but we've got um so uh, Fraser, Fraser Gregory, um, he oh. says, I've seen Ark of Infinity. Um, I know I've seen Ark of Infinity, but I couldn't tell you anything that happens in it <laughs> other than Davo runs around Amsterdam covered in cornflakes. Um, and it's got one of uh, the bestest, shittest monsters in it to read into that what you will. Yeah, it's not. I would I would agree that it's not the most memorable story in the Davidson era. Um, certainly when you think of Snake Dance, Mm. And enlightenment and some others. I do think this one, yeah, gets sort of forgotten about. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, and Joe um says, how could they go to Amsterdam, the city of vice, and make it this boring? 
I realise it can't all be saunas and weed and booze, but they fundamentally fail to capture the vibrancy and energy of the city. Yeah, I, I've never been to Amsterdam, but um, I know he has. Um, and yeah, it's I quite I find it quite charming that they're running around Amsterdam. You see a lot of it, but I agree mm. that yeah, if they could have found a better way to set the story there, if that's what they wanted to do, then. It's not it's yeah. not utilized enough, isn't it? Is yeah, it really no, the setting? Not. I think you know. Imagine imagine if they'd cut out a bit of the Gallifrey stuff, done a little bit more in Amsterdam, had Maxel and his team of uh, guards go to Amsterdam with the Doctor and spend an episode trying to track Omega down. That would be a script. Yeah, That's that would have script. been that would have been much more interesting. I think. Joe also put uh, uh, he must have put it something else a couple of days prior, saying terribly boring unless you're watching with. Fit geek, then it's great. That's James. Who oh yeah, yeah. Done the, that's who we done this hamster with. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, Dan Hollingsworth um says it's weird. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It's weird how this was recorded after Snake Dance, um, and also features a rubber monster deflating and pumping out loads of colourful slime, plus a pumping house location where they obsessed with pumping. <laughs> 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 Yes, absolutely correct. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely correct. There is a lot of pumping in, in the dead season. Two, yeah. <laughs> Mestor the Magnificent. Uh, Dear Mestor. Mestor. Yep. I wonder what his real name is. Uh, I don't know, actually. I, I think he really is Mestor. I think he really is. <laughs> I love it, he says. One of the mo my most regularly revisited Davisons. It has a distinctive atmosphere, and I'm a sucker for any story set on Gallifrey. Especially when it looks like an 80s coffee bar. <laughs> Even Collier is a superior Omega to Fawn, and Davison's expression at the end is priceless. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with a lot of what Bester said, but if he really loves it, I that's fine with me. That, yeah. You know, you love it. That's, mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine. And Davison's expression is priceless. That, yeah, that's it is. Um, uh, Dan Pin. Um... I was just listening to oh, actually dear, your uh, yeah. I was listening to your uh, Android Invasion, um, one with Dan earlier in the week. You do Android yeah, Invasion, yeah. He's coming with back. Dan? He's coming yeah, back. Yeah. Dan's a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's he says the backlit Ergon striding out of Omega's TARDIS into the underlit catacombs and zapping one of the backpackers was my first memory of Doctor Who. So I have Ooh. fond memories of this one, even though it's a bit pants. <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, that is a creepy moment though. To be fair, like, you see, is, like, yeah. I don't know why the smoke's coming out the TARDIS, but you see like the atmospheric thing come out, and you shoot some. Yeah, it's a creepy moment. Yeah, yeah. Paul Quinn says, I think he replied again earlier today, but dire, but an appropriate opening story for the worst season of old Who or ever? Question mark. Oh, um, mm. I don't think it's the worst season of Doctor Who. That's seven B for me, as everyone knows. But. Um, mm. Opening story for the worst season of of all two. Mm, of all two. Um, what have we got? We've got. For me, it's not season twenty. No. No, I don't think so. I think it's. Uh, there must be worse. There must be worse opening stories as well out there. There's got to be. Yeah, <laughs> it has to be. <laughs> but like, what, what? What would be the worst season? Um. We go. We go. Dare I say the Dominators in season six is the worst opening story, but Fraser will come after them. 
He will do, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say, I would say, I mean, I love I love Galaxy 4 to bits, but Galaxy 4 is not the most exciting story to open your season on. You know, I mean, I know we were, yeah. uh, it's season three, isn't it, Galaxy yeah, 4? Yeah, it's a very simple, I like Galaxy 4, but it's a simple story. Um, Simplistic story. It's, pro- it's probably a better story, though, isn't it, than the Ark of Infinity when you think about it? I mean, I love season 24, but... It's regarded as the worst season, and I know why, because it is very mm. sort of um, cartoony. Um, but the worst season in all two. Worst season. Mm. Season 15, perhaps, for me. Yeah, yeah, I maybe have to agree with you on that one. I mean, it's got some, it's got some good stories in there, but I think it's got some... Not so good stories as yeah. well. So that'd be my yeah. answer to quit. season fifteen season and the opening 15. story probably. Um, oh god, I wouldn't say it's Ark Infinity. No. I think what is the deep's worse. Yes, yes, I think so. I think I don't. I don't mind Warriors of the Deep, but I, it's it's not. It's not a story. I very, I very rarely go back to Warriors of the Deep. Very. Rarely I'm not a big fan of Attack of the Cybermen either. I don't mind Attack of the Cybermen. It's quite colourful and uh, entertaining. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> David JP said, "When I did the pilgrimage in 2013, this was the first story that I felt had no redeeming features." Mm. I think that's a bit harsh. I think there is good mm. things in it, as we've discussed. Yeah. it's not totally bad. No. Paul Quinlan, I thought he had replied again. Such a poor story, badly executed, but at least there was a trip to Amsterdam, so that's all right then. <laughs> Joe Llewellyn. Joe, Joe, sorry if I butchered his name, your name, Joe. Joe Llewellyn, I think it is. Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. Did Tegan's likability shoot up because she was finally out of that stupid flight attendant costume? Did she seem less annoying? I think so. I think mm. he's got a point. Yeah, I think he's got a point, and I think uh, I I do think it's like we spoke about earlier on. I do think that she's in that first season with her first full season with her. She's trying to get back, you know, and she's got a purpose, um, and she's got a reason to be to be irritating. When she comes back, she's kind of maybe not as irritating. Um, so yeah, I'd kind of, I'd agree with that definitely. Dear um, Daniel Knight. Um, says, it's a great Nyssa story, even if Sayward tries to turn her into Tegan Mark II in the opening TARDIS scene, moaning that there's more equipment <laughs> the Doctor needs to fix. I'd agree. <laughs> oh, and Michael Goff and Leonard Sachs should have swapped roles, and it would have been more of a surprise that Hedden is the traitor, plus we'd have got Michael Goff in the Five Doctors. That's an interesting mm. idea. They swapped yeah. roles. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. That. Michael Goff being the Five Doctors, although I think uh, Philip and um, his name escapes being the Five Doctors is great. Yeah. I do like yeah. uh, uh, the and the Five Doctors. So Michael Goff would have been great, but I, I think I would have stuck with the guy who got the gig. Yeah, I think so. He was my first Barusa anyway. so <laughs> Mine as well. Andrew Kernel, it passes the Hummable Music Scores, so points <laughs> for that. Mm, I, I don't like. I music, don't. So. No, no. I, I, I couldn't actually. I don't think I could actually hum any of the music out of, <laughs> out of Arc of Infinity. But they've dressed Tegan up in some kind of lampshade ensemble, 
So definitely points off for that. <laughs> other than that, I realised the other day, I haven't seen this since 1999. Oh, wow. <laughs> Love that. Oh, God, no, no. <laughs> Whose real name is Andrew. Dear Andrew Blair, he's yeah, been on my podcast. He just said simply, it's shite. <laughs> so he, he, you've nailed your, your colours to the mask there, Andrew. Well, I, I've got, I've actually um, uh, got Paul Quinn on here, uh, who also says it's still shite. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what else have I got on here? I've got, um, I've got uh, Paulie's Gay Toy Chaos. Um, it starts off like many a Euro porn movie, but the director misunderstood the gay slang term chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, there's so many of that. Thank there, you so there much. There are actually, yeah. Responses. Um, did we we done Dan? Did we? Yeah, yeah we did. We did Dan's one. Uh, done that. Human palindrome, who is otherwise his real identity, is Mark Cochran mm-hmm. of the All Space and Time podcast. Said, I remember enjoying it when I was ten. It's not the best story, but I still have a soft spot for it. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, David GP. Uh, put another comment on saying, was this the best way to open the big celebratory season? Part one with beige time lords talking about antimatter and bonding, etc. The Doctor and this are not even interacting with anyone for most of the first part. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it, it isn't for a celebratory season, you know, that it's quite boring uh, council meeting and yeah. the Doctor and this are repairing a circuit. Yeah, yeah. I, I get what he's meaning. <laughs> yeah. Darren Lit Rindles. I read the novelization loads at school. It had everyone everyone I could want. TARDIS scenes, a foreign location, creepy crypt, Time Lords, another TARDIS. Then I saw it on video. <laughs> Disappointment was immense for this u- ugly dirge of a production. I read the novel years ago, but I honestly can't remember anything about it. Is that the book with the? Is that the one with the really dull cover? Uh, it's orange with um, head in holding her, facing yes. the doctor holding a gun. Yeah, yeah. They they did some classic eighties covers. <laughs> James H says the Ergen is the ultimate drug induced nightmare. Surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree I with see. that one. Mm-hmm. Such an anticlimax, um... says Jason Thompson. The Time Lords end up standing in a room while the Doctor and Cole run around Amsterdam. Maxwell just vanishes after marching down a corridor in part three. Shamey wasn't the commander in the Five Doctors, really. Yes, totally agree. He just sort of disappears. Yeah. I noticed that. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't get an exit, is it? Well, he doesn't get killed well, or anything. It's the same as uh, Colin and Robin, isn't it? They don't get an exit. Yeah. They're, just, they're just gone. And Omega gets shot with a fancy gun. Mm-hmm. On the plus side, Johnny Byrne getting to write for Nissa again makes her really shine. Yeah. yeah, great. At least while well, the plot still has something for her to do. Mm-hmm. Her appeal to the Time Lords and her holding the High Council at gunpoint to try and save the Doctor are superb moments for her. So totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another... How <laughs> I many have we heard from David GP? Um, yeah. I love them all. It's... How did no one look at the air gun and say, no, that's no bloody good? <laughs> Well, Eric Saywood didn't look at the Ergon. So. <laughs> Dear Sci-Heart, um, given that the Three Doctors was on telly two years before ARC, 
bringing back oh my god isn't too much of a problem ah never realized that so it was repeated two years before so mm. I wonder if that was in their thinking even you know we put yeah. it on two years before so maybe it would be yeah possibly yeah yeah what is a problem is everything else so much techno babble and word peril love the part two cliffhanger though and remember drawing that at school after the episode no paul monk so much hand acting. It's the most hand acting Doctor Who <laughs> story ever. <laughs> and to finish off, I think this is the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to aid your memory, says Michael Storm, he's got a poem for us. Omega's power is dark in this tale of infinite arc. He employs a big hen to kidnap young men as well as its small boys in the park. <laughs> Brilliant. Ah, that's Brilliant. fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for all your yeah. comments. Uh, thank you. Brilliant to talk about all that. And, uh, and thank you, Jim, for your time and talking about Arc Infinity. It's been lovely yeah. to catch up with you again. Yeah, and, yeah it's been um, great. Yeah, we've got to do this again soon. Yes, absolutely, yeah. In I've, fact, uh, we've got one booked in for, for next time, but uh, we'll not reveal what that is. No, no, no. <laughs> Nearly said, but no, not yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been fantastic. I really enjoyed it, and it's... Uh, it's great being able to talk about um, a story that, you know, you kind of, you, you know, it's 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 something that's there from my childhood. And uh, yeah, it's just great. It's just great talking about Doctor Who. Yeah, absolutely. No. It's been great talking to you again. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, Dave. Cool. Until next time, I'll just say bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>